0: Thought is free. From the age of big brother, brother, brother. From the age of age the dog polices. Police. From a dead man. greeting. Respiratory virus threats, nerve tag has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You might be infectious and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious. Assume you might be infectious. And that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further, and I I must level with you, level with the the British public. Um, More families, uh, many more families are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that, as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary infe- infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure. Just say I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. Vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood! blood. Never! I will fucking die! Fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage! Fuck these motherfuckers!
1: All right folks uh well special day today and uh you're not gonna have to listen to this es- expert ss expert drone on we're gonna have uh I may be the person to see when your brain ain't firing right but uh when you need guns to fire right you need uh you need real experts, not just me opining about the, uh, <laughs> the- I don't know what to call Ukraine right now a uh, disaster zone but uh let's let's get armchair warlord in I'm waiting for uh Charles to join and um just seen the message so boom let's do this let's
2: turn off there and pilot can you hear me you oh uh, yeah you' just fine
1: oh yep. Uh, just your camera is off. Do you want to stay off screen or?
3: Uh, no, I'll turn my
1: camera on here. Let me. All right. Hey, there we go. How are you, sir? Oh. <laughs> yeah. You had a bit of a trim since I last saw you.
3: Yeah. A little bit of trim.
1: <laughs> looks good. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, I was going to say you, uh, it looks like you're, uh, ready for boot camp again. <laughs> yeah.
3: I, i've got i've got full army circle i get out of the army and now i decide to start shaving my head
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so i've got uh so, to, so to take a cue from uh brian berletic um right right he's uh he's a marine right um yeah he used to be a marine yeah yeah um i'd love to chat to him been, one day my volume on this. um but we do have another marine here there's uh there's commander rixie charles meet tyler tyler meet charles pleased
4: to meet you. Nice to meet you. I I must admit I don't actually know that much about
1: you. Uh, yeah, keep that mic right right in front of your face. Dude. <laughs> Pull it. yes. Yes, Fair. yes, yes. Yes. Um Can so, you guys hear me alright by the way? Yes. Turn uh, the mic, per- perfect. Oh, wait.
4: I recognize you. Wait a second.
1: He's been on my streams a few times.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's
1: um the wow well, I'm,
4: I'm just old so my memory yeah, is going.
1: I, I know that problem but, don't uh, worry we're all getting that way mm. um he's you're my wmd expert charles and uh warlord uh, yes. here is my uh <laughs> artillery expert is uh i don't know if, if it has any other name but <laughs> when it comes to shooting big heavy shells at people armchair warlords the man so
4: well we're running out of those apparently so
2: <laughs> yeah yes
4: yes no i've been looking i've been looking forward to talking to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to ukraine yeah <laughs> we so, so more than you think.
1: <laughs> well there's uh there's so much happened since i want to say it's two two three months since we last spoke you you, you said you had to go underground for a little bit, um, keep a low profile, but I I guess things have changed so radically since we last spoke where it seemed to be very much stalemate at at that time. And I think the – I guess the mud season was still in play. And so I guess my first question to you, Tyler, would be has the – changes on the front gone how you would expect them and if not why not and any other incidentals you'd like to add to to that uh sorry let me let me
3: do something here real quick I, i'm having oh. uh, my headphones aren't um i'm just gonna put you on my normal speaker here and hopefully that sh- that won't cause feedback okay. sorry my headphones aren't um
2: they're not loud enough <laughs>
1: oh okay um
2: um,
1: screen share is enabled anytime you want to throw up um, uh, apps and stuff but whilst uh, whilst Tyler is sorting out his uh, headphones what uh, do
3: you you guys uh, hear me now
1: yes can hear you is there feedback no no, okay, my my mic is pretty good at pretty
3: good at canceling out stuff coming out of my ambient speaker, So just let me know if there's let me know if there, if feed, if people start
1: getting feedback. It, it, it's good. So I don't I don't know if you heard the first question I had. Go ahead, go ahead. So, sorry, I, I heard it very, very
3: softly. My, my headphones were not cooperative. Okay,
1: okay. So um, I was saying that the last time we spoke, basically two, two and two and a half, three months ago, I want to say it was, and the, it seemed very much a stalemate. Mud season obviously was preventing anything from really sort of moving on the ground. And now I think that's, it looks like that's changed radically. Um, has has it gone to your expectations and if it has why and if it hasn't why as well was the question yeah
3: ready? so since we since we spoke last which i believe was in may um what uh i mean so the so uh it's turned to summer the the ground has dried out that's uh and it that's made offensive movements somewhat easier and but the most significant thing that's happened is the ukrainians finally launched their uh long their long anticipated and honestly long delayed uh offensive in zaporuzha which is in sort of a south central ukraine and uh, they'd been preparing for this for months um and yeah, nato had been supporting them heavily in preparing for this and the offensive went in uh they had you know very they i mean they had their you know, elite shock troops ready to go and it went in and uh and I had predicted that it would. uh, I mean, I I predicted they'd make some progress, but they didn't have enough troops to uh, to break through and really change the calculus of things. Um, I can show you the prediction, the exact uh, map I made. I made on Twitter a little uh, in a minute, but um, I mean, what essentially happened was they they got they essentially got stopped at the line of departure. Um, They as soon as they uh, ran over the line of contact, they hit a a very large obstacle the Russians had constructed. the, the Russians are constructed essentially under the noses of uh, Ukraine's and NATO's uh, intelligence and surveillance apparatus, and uh, they got—I mean—they got stopped cold. And the front line has not moved in a significant way, and they've been continuing to attack uh, for essentially the last two months. Um, it was very intense in the first couple of weeks, and then it sort of petered out. Now they. Actually, just in the last couple of days, they committed a number of additional troops that held back essentially in, as an exploitation force. For the, the thought was, well, the the first wave is going to break through and they'll commit these extra troops to, to exploit that. Well, they committed these extra troops to try to break through um, just a couple of days ago, and they haven't made any progress either. So this is an incredibly significant development because um, this is... And that this is basically basically the last army that ukraine is reasonably going to get and this army was you know, largely it was a uh, in large part created by nato for them um made out of you know donated western equipment and it's difficult to, it's it isn't difficult to describe how big this army is but it's a i mean just to give you an idea of what a i mean what what's happened i mean the russians have essentially destroyed an army the size of like the british army Um, in southern Ukraine in the last two months. Jesus. So it's like the entire British army got blown up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which which, I mean it shows how much stuff NATO gave Ukraine. It also shows how in this this force moved the front line maybe I think 10 kilometers at most south on one exposed part of the front line, which is sort of jutting out into uh jutting out into Ukrainian lines there. Sort of leveled that off a little bit. That's that's about their most significant accomplishment so far.
4: Well, they also they also built their own dam. So, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. They also um yeah the, the Kakovka Dam went away. That was a that was pretty dramatic.
4: Well, I mean that was by far their best offensive maneuver. Um, that's the only strategic victory that they've had. Um, oh, I mean, I, I I don't really,
3: I mean. I guess you could say it, it's been dramatic. I don't, they haven't really exploited that to to
4: move anymore. They, they well, tried to the land. They couldn't, yeah. yeah. So well, one question that I had, well, I have a couple questions that I've written down here, but why, what were they thinking with with going in there with no close air support? Like, why, why would we give them billions of dollars of equipment, but not have a complete battlefield? Because all it did, it looks like it just left them sitting ducks.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure we were thinking. Um, We, (laughs) I mean, mean, we, and also I I think this is sort of paced to an extent by like the amount of um, equipment that you, that like NATO can reasonably give to Ukraine, stuff that Ukraine can reasonably scrape out of their own inventories. And they never had a lot of helicopters and aircraft to begin with. And the stuff they're trained on is Soviet stuff. And by this point, like the North Atlantic Treaty Organization has basically has basically bought and has basically like sucked every piece of Soviet hardware they can possibly acquire from every remotely friendly regime across the world, including like stuff that's been bought in the black market <laughs> and sent it to Ukraine. Um, so it's a uh, and so I mean going beyond that, we'd have to start not just we'd have to start training them on like western aircraft which seems to be a bridge we don't want to cross yet it's kind of we're kind of starting to get there but i'm not i mean honestly i think at this point people are starting to realize it would be throwing good money after bad
1: will they i i I don't know (laughs) my my concern is is just that well particularly in the u.s political domain that they seem fully committed to I don't know. Well, again, the last Ukrainian, right? And um, you know, I played a clip the other week where I was it was heartbreaking. It was just some mentally, physically incapacitated young man that they were signing off as being fit to fit to go to the front.
3: Yeah, um, I saw that I saw a clip that was tragic.
1: Mm, He's gonna have obvious problems. And I can hear someone's Discord going. so that's probably my Discord. I like, don't yeah, myself. In it, might might just want to. I'll put myself to "Don't Disturb." Sorry. Uh, the so, you know, my I, I, I try not to play gore, the, the really um, oh, it's, it's, like, disgusting stuff to me, um, and, and I've seen it from both both sides. God knows there's plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, and the, um, but but the overarching theme that I've seen, and we've heard the politicians sort of mention this as a reason for failure was that they failed to take into account Russian minefields. Now, in my mind, with all the surveillance that they must have over the area I presume must be at every level from sort of drones to satellites to reconnaissance planes etc how did they not know that there was these very large and deep minefields and how come they didn't have a um, plan to deal with them right There there are technologies that you can deploy to try to Punch a hole through, right? So this is really a two-part answer to that. Um, first of all, to
3: answer the second second part of your question, first, um, they actually did have, I'd say, actually a very they had everything they would they needed, at least in everything that NATO would have thought they would need um, to deal with these minefields. Um, which is uh, particularly they had a lot of uh, they had a num- a pretty significant amount of engineering equipment, um, which is basically. Uh, Sort of uh, tanks that they've modified into mine plows and uh, mine clearing line charges, which I can I can put those up if you'd like to see sort of what those look like. Yeah, um, we got a decent amount of those, and they tried to use them, um, but they're and it's sort of and once they realized these minefields were there, which they didn't know about, and I'll explain I'll explain why I think they didn't they didn't realize this but uh, a bit. in bed. Um, Once they realized these minefields existed, they did start to use them. But the issue they then ran into was they were trying to conduct a a breach, uh, which is the second most difficult military operation um, after doing an amphibious assault. (laughs) And uh, they were trying to do a combined arms breach without uh, essentially without fire superiority and without adequate numerical superiority. So they were so, I mean, they were just getting mowed down doing it. And they did not make a lot of progress at all. Um, now for the reason why um can I, uh, can I, can I share my screen here, yes
1: so at the bottom, um there should be a share screen option any any participant can um, yeah let, let me let me uh, share my screen here
3: i'll just I'll just do this very briefly so... okay, so you see this uh so See so this map I'm sharing, and I apologize if it's a little I'll bit um, briefly. <laughs> I apologize if this uh the resolution isn't quite isn't a, quite as good as I'd like. So you see these, so this is a map of southern Ukraine, which is where most of the fighting's been taking place. There's a secondary offensive happening further north around Bachmut, which is difficult for me to even explain why they're doing that being on ideological reasons. But um, so the main the main thrust basically fell in here. And this is what the front looked like. Um this is a map I made posted on Twitter of um, a sort of defensive template laid over the laid over the the map. And so what you can see here is uh, what you can see here is you see these red lines on this map. These are uh, fortifications, uh, field fortifications that the Russians had dug out during the preceding basically six months, um, going back to the winter. And these are, I mean, these are fortifications that are visible from satellite, and they're very big, obvious stuff, which is, you know, anti tank ditches, which are big enough to like swallow a tank. Um, lines of things called dragon's teeth, which are basically, um, you know, like a pure, like concrete pyramids that are about four feet tall, and they're, you can't really, um, that are about four feet tall, which are designed to stop armored vehicles, um, stuff like that. Also, um, trenches, you know, trenches that are uh, bunkers, stuff, stuff dug out in the open. And so over the winter, uh, the Russians, in fact, they brought in uh, civilian builders actually like civilian construction workers and equipment and they uh, even and they dug out all of these very visible fortifications um, stuff that you could see from a satellite. And um, and what I think this happened was this this drew all of, uh, the, all of the attention. It's like, it's like a magician, right? He's distracting you with the right hand while he's actually doing, while he's actually doing the trick with the left, while he's sealing your watch with the left hand, right? <laughs> yeah, a particularly disreputable street street magician. Well, everybody, so well, everybody, NATO and Ukraine was focused on, these are these big fortified lines the Russians have dug out. They're going to defend here. This is, and they spent a ton of time and a ton of imagery and, well, intelligence assets are very, uh, finite things. And they, they did a ton of imagery and analysis and assessment on what are the Russians going to do with these, these big, obvious defensive lines they just built. Well, as it happens, while all of this was happening, the Russians, all these right along the front line, I mean, the Russians are an army, like any other army, they're, they're, they, they, they sent out patrols every day and probably every one of those patrols, every one of those soldiers had, had one or two mines on it. And over six months uh, of soldiers going out, probably going out and placing mines by hand, which leaves no trace on the ground, basically. You're, you're not going to see this from satellite at all. And I think the Russians had enough sort of uh, fire superiority over the front line that there was not, um, they didn't have a lot of like observa- of like ground observation. And the Ukrainians were not doing like ground patrols into this area at all. I think they were trying to use drones and sort of satellite imagery to um, to figure out what the Russians were doing instead of sending soldiers in on the ground uh, to do, like, like long-range recon patrols, um, And so the Russians were able to construct an enormous mine obstacle, I believe largely by hand, um, in, in essentially right along the contact line. And, well, what did you see? And well, what we saw happen as soon as the, like, the main assault went in on, on D-Day there, which I think was about June 4th, uh, was you saw, I mean, we saw Ukrainian columns, uh, traveling with you know, tanks up front and the, the like breach equipment, the engineering equipment was in the back because they thought they weren't going to have that. They thought they were just going to push up. There wasn't going to be anything there. And there, the first breach they had to do was going to be at the, at this first line of obstacles they knew about. And they ran into, and they ran into mines that they didn't know existed and they got blown to hell. I mean, it was a, it was an absolute turkey shoot because there were minefields they didn't know existed. There were Russian troops in the area they probably didn't know about, and, the, and there, or at least the Russian troops that were in the area didn't withdraw like they were expecting. And they stood and fought, and they they made absolutely no progress. And it's really, I mean, and, and you see this this first line of fortifications here. I mean, the, the Ukrainians have yet to reach any of this. They, they've had one tank crew that has physically seen a dragon's tooth a uh and that was
1: one um that's the one that got caught in the ditch the other day yeah
3: it was the the one that and i guess the story behind this was a ukrainian column was going forward got ambushed and one of the tanks instead of turning around and within retreating it actually kept on going forward and eventually got far enough forward it ran into one of their anti-tank ditches Hmm. but which shows about shows you about how well this offensive has been going as far as actual changes to the front line um, if you can see my cursor here, um, basically the top of this bulge here on the on the eastern side of the line that's sort of gotten leveled out slightly, like the, they took uh, off about the top half of that.
4: What, that's uh, that's
3: the most significant territorial advancement they've made.
4: Well, at the cost of the British army. Yes. Yeah, at the cost of hundreds of tanks. Um,
3: <laughs> I've heard something like over a thousand other vehicles just. An astonishing amount of equipment, and, and and I mean, and not to mention there's an astonishing human cost here as well. I and mean, even the, even like, I mean, like Petro Poroshenko's uh, party, um, and like like sort of the, the like the last actual political opposition, like Zelensky has in Ukraine. The, the last sort of because he was the guy who Zelensky replaced. I mean, he his party put out a put out a statement saying over over ten thousand ukrainian soldiers have been killed so far in this offensive and that's probably an underestimate and that was also put out several weeks ago
4: oh that's right after bakhmut as well
3: yeah and that's after bakhmut which so it's this is a i mean this is you know been probably the most destructive battle of the 21st century so far
1: uh i i wouldn't doubt it seeing the footage <laughs> i've seen but um i can't how are they not making the you know the decision after the first day oh shit there's minefields in there send in the um mine clearing and the. the, i I guess i suppose you need air cover and stuff yeah (laughs)
3: yeah well i mean they they did and they've been but again they got wrong footed very badly to start off with and i mean in, in situations like that the enemy gets a vote and the other thing which i figured out a while ago was that the I mean, we've. Uh, I mean, the Ukraines probably have about um, probably generated at most uh, twenty, you know, sort of a uh, twenty brigades, maybe, to conduct counteroffensive operations. Of which, but by, by the way, n- by no means all of those have gone south. Um, a lot of them have gone to Bakhmut. Um, some of them actually tried to attack into Belgorod back in May, which was weird. Um, but the uh, but of those maybe. Two thirds to half of them have actually been committed south. And that's like a third of the force they actually need to get through that. Um, the Russians have a lot of troops these days, and they're they're pretty thick on the ground. So yes. they're not only, they're, they're actually kind of short on. So, I mean, they're, they're actually in a situation where they don't have fire superiority, they don't have air superiority, they don't really even have numerical superiority at this point. And. Uh, they're trying to attack a very, you know, one of the largest ob- uh, They're trying to attack something you know that the Soviets would be happy to see in, you know, the Battle of Kursk, a, a level of defensive complex. And it's it's just not. A, and as far as the reason they're still trying to do it, it's because, um, one, I think U.S. Um, U.S. and NATO want them to do it, and it's the only, it's the only reasonable way they can win the war. Uh, they can. Uh, win the, they can essentially win the war um, and not have to uh, make some kind of large-scale concessions to the russians
2: um, because
3: be they're going to push the push of the sea of azov and cut the land bridge to crimea and blow up the crimean bridge and hold the pr- population of crimea hostage basically and then they're going to uh, they're going to be able to get the russians to leave ukraine because of
1: that and that's very much not happening so far All Right so uh, as a hypothetical in this situation let yourself or charles can weigh in on this um, suppose NATO does get dragged in now because myself personally I can't see I can't see any other route for Ukraine to get any anything other than a um, complete loss at the moment um, how how would you go about trying to approach these defenses then if they've if they've had so much chance to build them up what was it would it just be a case of pure numbers and again trying to rush the the minefields and the the defenses again or, or I, I, well in my mind it would have to be like an air campaign right you've got to take out the
4: i don't think they can I, I think that's the lesson i think that um they were trying to just push through the fact that they don't have their support superiority by sending a bunch of poorly trained people on a whole bunch of tanks and so you have the largest tank battle ironically since kursk and um and not that far away from kursk and basically um well so so it it's failing and one other thing that i that i've been pondering is why would they telegraph so brazenly what their strategy is going to be because i mean we 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 you just showed us the you know the defensive placements that they had going up there and and yeah and yes of course Okay, we have to wait till till the till the mud dries. But they basically telegraphed their entire offensive. It's there was no like. Do you have any like? Is there a logical reason why they wanted to like to intimidate or something like? It doesn't. Make, it makes zero sense to me.
3: Well, I mean, I think there's a reason, but it's not a logical reason. It's because I think a lot of the so the Ukrainian leadership are are, are social media addicts. And they they need to feed Twitter and Reddit, and they're I mean they're they're addicted to the PR, they're addicted to addicted to the coverage, and they have to, and they're just categorically unable to keep their operational plan secret. And we've seen this many times. They uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like okay. the the best source of information on Ukrainian intentions is listening to the words coming out of their mouths. <laughs>
1: And well, I, I I think there was a presumption that the Vilnius meeting was going to be going much more in their favour. That that was my sort of read on the on the lead up to that. That they would um, big bad NATO would be coming in to uh, take on the bear, and that very obviously
4: didn't happen right and well if that was going to make a difference they should have done it before they did the offensive but yeah.
3: well i think they were trying to they, they were hoping to have some real results by the time the vilnius uh summit came around i mean imagine if the offense had gone the way they wanted and they were successful and they would have been able to present this big uh this big accomplishment the Vilnius summit get all this all this additional support I and mean, what they they got a they showed up with the the Vilnius summit with a big old goose egg and kind of got treated like it and there were meme photos of, Zel- of dejected Zelensky going around there before <laughs> i'm sure you yeah. guys saw them
1: yeah brutal um talk, talk about uh having your ego popped in yeah. real time yeah, um, but you,
4: yeah but you know what after 300,000 ukrainians or more have died you know i don't feel sorry for him anymore no. not in the slightest No, uh, he, he he
3: he deserves a lot more than just uh, looking looking sad
1: yeah, very, very much so, and um, also the, uh, not Mitch McConnell, who's the other one, Lindsay. Graham Lindsay. Um, 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 Graham, yeah,
4: yeah, my <laughs> hero. His
1: his statements. I want to. I want to say it was after we last spoke, but where where he's sitting there, sort of cackling about how uh, it's the best money they've ever spent. Um, I, I you know, again to me, that. That that doesn't come across as good PR. That doesn't. It, I know they think they've got control of the information domain, but um, surely someone must be whispering in their ear. Hang on, you've got to got to tone it down a little bit, just for the.
4: Well, remember, this is six months. This war started six months after Afghanistan, after August fourteenth and fifteenth, when when people were literally falling off of plane wings in the sky. So this is the worst foreign policy administration in the history of the United States. And it's not even close.
3: Yeah, I mean, Afghanistan was bad. Uh, imagine what happens if, I don't know, let's say Ukraine surrenders this time of next year or before this time next year,
4: right? My my guess is that uh, <laughs> if people keep... I know that um, Colonel McGregor and others have a more pessimistic view. I tend to think that... Um, the populations in the west are so pissed off because they they know that this is a sham um despite all the media efforts to to paint it otherwise they know that this is the germans don't want to be there anymore they don't want anything to do with it the, the like the poles and lithuanians i mean they have strategic reasons for wanting to 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 push this further but but nobody else does and i I think it's far more likely, like, I don't see the nuclear scenario happening. I think it's, I think what's going to happen is that probably within the next six months, it's going to be like a, an abrupt, well, this is my by the way, there's going to be an abrupt uh, end that people aren't really expecting and it's going to go very poorly for, for the Ukrainians. Just my you know
3: I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's if that's what's ha- what happens i mean the russians have been generating forces for the last uh, ba- basically for over a year now um like generating forces building equipment um i mean certainly they've they've also lost guys lost stuff in ukraine but they've been i mean they've uh they're they're saying they've you know about tripled the size of their army and uh they have the ability to do that because they have a lot of stuff in reserve, and they have a lot of reservists who could be called up. And we haven't really seen those guys yet. And if those guys are committed, uh, then it's going to change the calculus very, very quickly. And things are going to get very bad for Ukraine in a hurry.
1: Yeah. Um, so, <sighs> as a my artillery specialist. Um, you know, I think uh, okay. what I've really noticed, and especially in the last, well, I don't know, I saw a clip in the last couple of days, but these um, drones that the Russians are using, the, I don't know, the X-wing type, uh, I have their name. No, Lancets, sorry. Lancets, yeah. Um, that, they seem incredibly adept at taking out, so uh, it's obvious they don't mass artillery. Right. You get one gun and they're hiding it in a tree line. And I, d- I don't know what the sort of operational distance would be between them. Perhaps you can fill us in on that. But those those little <laughs> little drones seem to be stacking up a lot of uh, a lot of kills on. Well, on a daily basis. And what oh. would you what would you do to counter that?
3: Uh, to counter that you need a couple of things. Um uh, you need uh really the best way to counter that because lances don't have uh, lancets in particular don't have a lot of uh infrastructure behind them. There's no um, you need to have uh electronic warfare at the front, um, which is capable of cutting out their command links, and you need to have uh air defenses. I mean well, lances are pretty big, they can be shot down by, but you could shoot them down with, and with, sort of anti-aircraft missiles and you need to uh, have uh, need to be and really you need to deal with the something the soviets figured out a long time ago which is if you have a formation out there in the field you need to have some kind of anti-aircraft coverage over that and then you also need to, need to uh, have uh sort of your electronic intelligence and also your electronic countermeasures rocking so you can if you see like a command link light up uh you can jam that sort of uh, that'll that will uh, interfere with people you know, shooting drones out 40, 50 kilometers past the front line and blowing up, you know, hitting your artillery positions. Uh, which, I mean, most of these artillery positions are actually much closer to the front than that. They're, uh, you know, probably uh, 10 to 20 kilometers past
1: the front. So the, um, what would be the spacing between those artillery pieces? Is, is it a case of like, oh, we see one, so we're going to find 10 more in the square kilometer radius around that or? Um, potentially although i think the um, i think the ukrainians
3: have their guns very dispersed at this point so i think they're um, i think most of their guns are operating as basically single gun batteries uh, but if uh i mean particularly if this turned into a russia versus nato thing well it's going to uh if we saw the i mean how uh, any any nato army would fight would be you'd have i mean at least at least two or three guns in the immediate vicinity of any other gun you find they're not going to be like necessarily right you know hold up next to it like it's world war two but they're going there's if you if you find one can there's going to be a bunch of other ones near it
1: um so yeah i'd always i'd always presumed we the west would have a an advantage with respect to sort of drone tech but it's it's become it quite, really seems to have
3: gone the other way, um,
1: yeah. Yeah,
3: no, um, I think this is a lot of this
1: is just due to uh, um, well, I,
3: and I mean, and I'll caveat this by saying that the, the drone tech has advanced immensely between the combatants in Ukraine over the last year. Um, there's been a huge amount of development between Russia and Ukraine because they're trying to they're actively trying to kill each other with these things, that tends to spur development, um, but. i point this out myself on twitter which is that the united states was a a pioneer in small in small uav technology in fact in uav technology in general Um, i mean we introduced raven at the operational level and you know 20 years ago and uh but there's been i mean for a long time and even to a certain extent now in the west uh, these things have been seen as sort of toys and uh i mean a lot of them a lot of these capabilities sort of been uh and a lot of the uh, drone capabilities we've had have sort of been uh, hanging out with like larger systems at higher headquarters instead of uh, we've we really have not developed uh, developed the technology we the doc- the technology uh, and the doctrine we had at the small at the small uh, unit level for the last generation um, to yep. uh, to the extent it has not to the extent it should have been
4: well and the the strategies and everything that. The problems were different in Afghanistan, and and we hadn't really our UAV tech. I I really liked what you just said. It's not, it's not as integrated into the small unit um, level of tactics, and so well, I mean, it, it 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 was, but not to the. We haven't faced an enemy that also had those. Yep. There, there's so this, this this war is very different in the sense that, you know, the, the Afghanistan's were the Afghani's weren't, or the Taliban wasn't flying a bunch of drones out against us. It wasn't a, a peer-to-peer drone war. And um, you know, I'd say we got a we got a preview
3: of that because ISIS actually started using those a little bit, um although they didn't. Yeah, use so it I, I, do I do remember. remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it was their their use was pretty crude. Oh well,
4: uh, yeah, and, and we didn't really learn it seems like we didn't apply those any any le- well <laughs> I don't want to apply any lessons from Afghanistan, but um it, it really seems like like we've regressed. And it doesn't help that the uh that the Secretary of Defense um so not only did he vaccinate all the troops um, but there was a big stink that when he was selected um, because he owned, he was on the boards of, uh, what was Looks <laughs> Like
3: Raytheon and yeah, he was on like, a lot of stuff.
4: Public health, like health ins- health companies and defense contractors. He was on the boards of, and he still hasn't sold his shares. You can go onto the sec website and see where, where he lied. Uh, and, and, Uh, under oath during his during his testimonies he still hasn't sold those so and I've I've looked at the shares of the companies and they've like doubled during that time so he's making millions he's made millions while being the Secretary of Defense on defense contracts Believable. I wasn't
3: aware of that but I'm not I can say I'm disappointed but not surprised
4: yeah (laughs) I mean very little surprises me anymore but (laughs) <laughs> but that's something that I discovered just while looking into like why they were doing the vaccine mandates. But guess what? He 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 pushed the he pushed the president's vaccine mandate and uh and he still owns, you know, thousands of shares and I, I don't even remember the, the health company, but it it's all gross. I remember- it's really gross so uh, <laughs> but he's the first black secretary of defense so that's good
1: <laughs> okay so uh, he gets he's allowed to get away with it yeah okay yeah i mean after
3: we've had a black president i'm not sure we're i'm not sure you know cabinet secretaries are that
4: important you, know, you think that you think members. that but they keep they keep making a big deal out of it i guess You know, I I think racism is going to go away in this country when we don't care about that kind of stuff anymore. Well, the people don't care. There's like a few... The the politicians care very much about it. But most, 95% of the people don't care. And they think this is ridiculous. But, of course, anybody who's actually paying attention also feels that way about Ukraine. And what's disturbing is that so many Republicans, not to make it super political... But because uh, well, obviously we know the Democrats are are on board, but what's disturbing is so many Republicans are also on board with continuing this crap in Ukraine. I mean, it's, it, I mean, don't they see?
1: Well, I mean, not, not when their share price is doubling uh, over. The- well, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, it, it's it's because it's a it's a split between the you got the. I guess the uh the neocons who unfortunately are still the the, the neocon establishment types and the um I mean Trump MAGA types is kind of a bad way to put it, but the sort of Trump wing of the party who was much more skeptical of this sort of thing. And unfortunately, I mean even even during the Trump wing the Trump era, the, the sort of neocon, neoliberal Republicans were in control of the party. They remain so to this day.
4: Well, I mean he was able so I, I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the one of the best things that Trump ever did was I think it was three days after he took office, uh, Syria and or ISIS, whoever it was, uh, somebody used chemical weapons, and they had pretty good intel that in that instance it was Syria, and he in, immediately called an airstrike, and blew up like a third of the Syrian air force in a single strike. And he called the Russian, the Russians ahead of time. He said, Hey, you have like 30 minutes to, to move your guys off this airfield. Cause we're going to, we're about to do this in retaliation. And that, I think that that sent a message that resonated throughout his administration. That kind of, it prevented, uh, I don't know. It, a kind of What's that? Like- no, nobody really wanted to mess with Trump. Um, yeah, no, well, of, I mean, it, even because yeah. the neocons were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And it may seem counterintuitive, but what that did was it—it it did a lot to prevent things from happening. Yep. Because there was that threat of, "Oh, he will actually do something," whereas you know, what have we seen with Biden? We've seen the opposite, or where he's actually starting wars, but it's nobody's right. afraid of it at all. It's yeah. worse than that because he's he's
1: actively gone to pursue a proxy war. Um, well, well, it's the
4: same proxy war that his. So people don't know this, but but I, but I keep saying it, and I keep giving Clinton back credit for doing it because he he had a couple specials that he did, where he he laid out that you know that really what Hunter Biden was doing was he was funneling seven billion dollars to Eastern. Ukrainian oligarchs to fight the proxy war back in 2014, starting in 2014, and that's really what he was doing when he was on the board of Burisma. Well, it was he was the CIA was just funneling billions and billions of dollars to these people, and so all of this other crap, you know, the fact that he, Hunter Biden is a turd that, that's just like the cherry on top. But the truth is, is that this is a, this was an Obama neocon proxy war. And, and it's been used now just to distract from all the other failures that they have.
3: Well, that's actually an interesting point you bring up there, which is that, I mean, in, in 2014, the Ukrainian army was a wreck. They sucked. They were getting, uh, that they, they were, uh, to, to use that, uh, to use a term, they were getting, they were getting destroyed by boog militia, uh, in the Donbass, like very poorly equipped dudes, uh, at first at least. And. Um, before the <laughs> before the Russians started giving them a lot of like weapons, um but they uh, uh but the Ukrainian army between twenty basically between you know twenty fifteen when the line start solidified and you know twenty twenty two got enormous, like it got gigantic, um, and they they built up a a structure which you know rivaled the U.S. Army in size, and Ukraine is not a rich country, and I have yet to figure out, and I mean I've certainly they spent a lot of money they admitted to publicly on their military. I think there was a very significant amount of money, which of black money, which also went to that um, because they, they built up a huge force. Um And, and you know, far, far larger than what they had, what they had in 2014. And I I think, you know, I, I think that probably you can make a pretty good case. This was significantly larger than they could really support economically.
1: Well, to, to you have uh u.s taxpayer doing it the... now, now that, that might be because
3: that might be part of the reason why the war happened what happened because the um i mean because there's also a pretty good case we made the russians went in because the ukraine started a you know, planned operation to, to invade and crush the uh donbass separatists so there's a there was a lot of artillery fire into the the LPR and DPR, and and about the preceding four days before the Russians won in, and most of that was Ukrainian.
1: Yeah, Um so, like I, say, I, I I hear I hear uh accusations from both sides. Um, you know who who's at fault in this particular instance, but from my perspective, they're just. um the scale of the war that we're seeing right now it dwarfs anything in my i you know i don't remember Vietnam, i was born just after it i guess so um, that's not part of my reference point but i i can't think of anything that comes close to what we've seen in the last 18 months and i mean we, we
3: probably haven't seen something as large since um i mean this this scale of combat since at least the korean war uh if not since world war ii um particularly i mean there have probably been been some three hundred thousand soldiers total killed over the last 18 months which is an enormous death toll i mean that's that's not quite
1: world war ii levels but it's getting there it's just the families. yeah destroyed. i mean we, you know
3: Oh, oh yeah. I, and I, I did an analysis on this a little while ago, if you'll excuse me. I'm I'm sorry for talking over overalism, but no, it's the, okay. uh, I mean I, I did an analysis about this a little while ago um, based on um, essentially I, I looked at you know, at what point will Ukraine take so many casualties that they can't sustain the war effort anymore, right? They'll have a military collapse because they run out of they run out of acceptable quality manpower. Um, which is going to be well before they run, like physically run out of people, right? That's that's not going to happen. And I looked at, well, how many, you know, as a percentage of, of their population, like how many casualties did Nazi Germany take before they essentially started going into military collapse in like 1944? And uh, this was about, um, about 4% of their population. And Ukraine is getting their, re- and uh, accounting for the fact that Ukraine is a much older and, Ukraine is a, you know, post-soviet country with bad demographics, Uh, Nazi Germany had very healthy demographics. Um, I mean, Ukraine is, I would be surprised if Ukraine can can maintain the war effort for another year at this rate, without starting to go into military collapse due to
1: running out of soldiers. I mean, the politicians are just going to sit by and let another 300,000 just get smoked.
2: I, I mean, they're set by for the first three hundred thousand.
1: I, I guess, but I, I just it doesn't compute with me, man.
4: Well, it's it's, 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 it's accelerating and it's becoming more one sided, and that's what's really disturbing is that um, that coming out of the the talks, there's no plan. It's just okay. Well, we're we're just going to keep f- funneling money and troops and we're not gonna have any oversight but but bakhmut and this offensive i mean bakhmut was just a bloodbath and they followed it up with a with another bloodbath failure and uh so the, so the deaths are actually accelerating and the one-sided nature of the deaths is accelerating because now russia that R- russia has dug in they can do whatever they want and um that's why they were happy with Bakhmut because they they probably couldn't believe that that they kept that they were just the Ukrainians refused to just walk away from it because it was easy it was like a tricky shoot.
2: Yeah,
3: and I mean now the Russians are all the defensive, so now the Ukrainians are coming to them. They don't have to. They're
2: not attacking anymore.
4: Yep.
1: So, yeah. it would be the U.S doctrine in this point so you've you've got dug in and you're waiting on the, the, the peer adversary peer to come to you um what what would be the metrics that you would be looking for with respect to um, operational success I mean obviously body counts one of them but um that doesn't seem to be a factor for the Ukraines in this in this instance right they're not um and yeah this is the question i wanted to ask you right so um it seemed to me at the beginning of the uh their offensive right that they they pushed forward with um their new toys and the the phrase meat wave has been thrown around a lot but that's literally what i've been seeing in i want to say the last four months right where They seem to not be wanting to put their equipment forward, but it seems like they're trying to drop men in, leave them in, and and then try to get their troop carriers or whatever and tanks out as quickly as possible. So the first part of the question would be, what would the U.S. do in such a situation? And the second part is, am am I literally seeing meat waves here or am I just being gaslit by telegram?
3: Uh, well your I mean I think actually the what what the Ukrainians characterize as a meat wave is what they've been doing for in some sectors for about the last month, which is sending in because after it became obvious that like mounted attacks didn't work, then sending leading with the tanks and tanks and APCs was not a not a winning combination. They've actually started using dismounted infantry a lot more, which actually got them more success. Not a lot of success, but it did get them more success. Um, which uh, was was what they were accusing the Russians of doing and calling it meat waves, which was, there's this entire stupid debate over the term. Um, I was part of that stupid debate.
2: (laughs) Um,
3: I I seem to, uh, um, they they sort of, a lot of what you see out of the Ukrainians is projection and their entire spiel on the, the meat wave is actually something they do themselves a decent amount of time. And uh, but they've been doing. I wouldn't say they do it preferentially, but they have been doing it. They have been sort of using, um, leading with dismounted infantry, and then you know trying to bring in, bring in heavy equipment to sort of consolidate after they, if those guys are successful. Um, they they have been doing that to an increasing extent over the last month, um, which sort of uh, which also. Now, that's changed in the last week or so, but when they brought in brought in like additional fresh troops, um, but that's uh, because they've gone back to mounted attacks and those have had as much success as they had two months ago. So,
1: but, uh, what what would have been uh, a U.S. response in this when you've they're putting in these troops on foot? Would, would the U.S. send in troops or would NATO send in troops on foot to deal with them, or is is that just a sort of hang back and up artillery and uh, oh, it's,
3: well i think part of the reason they're sending these they're they're doing this is they're trying to uh, um, because the ukrainians are also they're they're trying to, to do their own fight they're trying to um i think what they're attempting to do is get is send uh send troops in uh get the russians to expose the locations of heavy weapons while they're um uh to hit these uh, hit these formations they're sending in and then they can use their own long-range weapons. which They have a number of those. Uh, they have particularly uh, guided MLRS weapons, which are pretty, uh, pretty, pretty effective. they actually very effective <laughs> to uh, try to uh, try to hit um, Russian artillery and so on. That's opening up on these these forces. So I think what the um, so the Russians have done, and I think that the US would fight quite similarly to the Russians in in this circumstance um we'd have we'd, we'd have more air power over the battlefield and probably less like tube artillery um but i mean if, if you know the enemy is trying to get you to, un, to unmask uh, yeah, high value weapons by sending in you know, low va- by sending in you know, conscript wave number 53 well you're just going to use you know, use your infantry weapons to deal with these guys um so that the, the infantry is going to going to Fight these guys themselves, and not uh, with you know, machine guns and so on, and not uh, just call in a ton of artillery fire on them. Which I think is what the Russians have been doing to sort of deal with this. to sort of deal with us. Kind of, there's, there's kind of a it's there's some battlefield chess happening.
1: <laughs> Did you guys ever just sort of train for that trench type warfare?
4: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean we we would train like the would make defensive positions and uh you know try to create avenues of approach and uh defense in depth and, and things like that but but we would well i mean well, first of all, the marines have a different <laughs> uh, tactics and strategy than than other services but but everything is, is about combined arms and um, having uh, land, sea, air and using all of those things together. Um, so th- the fact that, that we're trying to... I think that it's bogged down to... The Ukrainians are doing what the only thing that they can do. Well, be, because that's why it looks more like World War One right now, because that's all they don't have. <laughs> yep. They don't have the air capabilities to do uh, what they're doing. And what's weird is that they should be, they're trying to be on the offensive when they don't have the ability to, to be on the offense. And so it, it, the wow. entire Everything about this strategy just makes zero sense. What would the U.S. do if it was in this situation? They wouldn't be in this situation, and, and if we were, we we would do what more what the Russians were doing. If if this was fighting, we wouldn't not be just doing what we would not be sacrificing Ukrainians at like a at a ridiculous ratio, and we are because it's not us and we're just throwing money at the problem. So it's kind of hard to, it's hard to draw any comparisons because this, this is a one-sided affair. This is Ukrainians are fighting for their homeland. And so they want to, they want to push out the Russians, but they're getting mowed down. The tactics of their leaders have been absolutely atrocious. And so, um, I really don't. I don't think that k- it might have been possible for them to win, but I don't think it's possible anymore. I th- I think after this winter, after the ability of the Russians to dig in, I think it's over.
3: Yeah, uh, I think the 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 thing that the thing that gets me is is if, especially if you look at what they had to start off with. I mean, the Ukrainians absolutely had a. The Ukrainians were in a position where they could have um, prevented the Russians from from gaining significant ground and. Uh, to start off with, and they were in a position to uh, generate a lot of forces and be able to hold on, defend against the Russian army. And but in order to, because um, they're, I mean, I, I made a joke a little while ago. That, you know, they, they've gotten most of Native's ammunition implemented North Korean levels of conscription. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they, had a, they had a plan to just just generate this huge army to fight the Russians, and they've implemented that plan. And then they've wasted this huge army, throwing it at the, throwing it offensively at the Russians instead of being, I mean, essentially instead of just doing the, it would have been. It's not inspiring, right? It's not a. It's not inspiring, but it's logical, which is to say, we're not going to. We're probably not going to be able to to make up significant ground against the Russians. We just need to dig in.
1: Yeah, and, which is going to be my next question. Uh, sure, surely there must be someone saying we've got to just build our fortifications now and just have a. I don't know, like a line of contact and go back to how it was, yeah. which was sort of. Lobbing artillery at each other, and I, I guess well, to goad the Russians into moving forward. But well, the Russians
4: have all yeah. the initiative now; they they control everything now. They've had the initiative for a while, and there's no to get it back. I don't think the Ukrainians can. Like the initiative is something in Marine Corps strategy that we harp on at every level, strategic, tactical. Small unit, um, maintaining, gaining, and maintaining the initiative is incredibly important. And there's no, to me, that it's impossible for the Ukrainians to do that because with what they have and what they would have to do to break through now, um, I think they're going to do it. It would have been before the like the last six months. Now I think it's too late. And I don't think they can get it back.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the last force with which they could they could regain the initiative has gotten blown up in Zaporizhia in the last two months. Yep. Uh, that's that was their basically their third army. Um, they after they got their second one blown up over the winter and their first one got blown up at the start of the war. Um, well, NATO built them a third army, which is, I mean, it NATO, like the like NATO cannot equip a fourth army they're the, the kind of stuff you're seeing nato countries donate these days is like leopard one tanks from the 60s um tanks which were arguably ob which were arguably obsolete when they were designed <laughs> um so, uh, and i i mean in fact that the most damning thing is uh, as near as i can tell um the federal republic of germany like germany has no more artillery shells left
1: yeah i'd heard this None, zero Amazing.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah. They, they've given all of them to Ukraine as near as I can figure out. Like every last one of them, it, it's high explosive. Because um, a, a few, I mean, about a month ago, an article came out saying Germany had 20,000, had 20,155 millimeter shells left. Well, a couple wow. of weeks later, Germans did a news release saying they gave 20,000 HE shells to Ukraine. And then a couple of days ago, um, another release came out saying they gave Ukraine like 2,500 smoke shells and no H E. So I, I don't think the
4: Germans have any artillery shells left
3: physically. They have, you know, yeah, it was interesting. Like, <laughs> that's
4: a, but that's what Trump, that's what Trump was trying to do. Yeah. He was trying to force NATO to the rest of NATO to, to bone up and, uh, and put forth the investments and, uh, which is ironic because he, he, uh, he also didn't start a war, but he, he was trying to and and what we're seeing is NATO was walking around with big balls and a small dick, and yeah. they got exposed, and now I like,
3: that, I, I, like I like that saying I'm
2: going to steal. It. Well, yeah.
4: <laughs> well, now they're being exposed, and and what are we supposed to do now? Because now this is this is all this is doing. Instead of wearing down Russia, all this is doing is just wearing down um, us and drawing attention away from the Pacific. So, where, where I think it really matters. And what scares me, my big fear is that uh, Xi Jinping knows that he's got like an 18 month window. And so,
1: yeah, I, I, I I'm think- not so sure about China needing to invade Taiwan. They're just.
4: I mean that they, so many Chinese I'm in there. What's scary is that we don't have a president right now. We don't we don't have administration worth anything. And so i I don't know that they would necessarily need to, but if there was there's never going to be a better time than during the next 18 months. That's what scares me. Is that they might not even want like they might want to to do it in a longer term. But right now, the West is so exposed. I mean, we've, we've seen what happens. And because it's not just, like, this is NATO, you know. Germany is a, one of the biggest parts of NATO, and they're out of artillery shells. So... That's the uh, story. And yes. tanks,
1: <laughs> by the sound of it, so... Uh,
4: that, that's disturbing.
1: Yes, yeah, so I guess, the, um, talking of ammunition, so the cluster munitions that... um we were all getting on our high horse about Russia using. Um, now, my presumption would have been both sides, th- like, the Ukrainians must have had tons of Soviet-era cluster munitions, and I'm sure they must have been firing them left, right, and center um, all through this war. So um, do, do you have any insight on on that particular aspect? And
3: uh, what- Yes, actually. So... A um, couple of things. Uh, the, the big news here is the United States sending cluster munitions now, and al- also that the there's sort of a second level here, which is that we're sending cluster munitions because we don't have any more HE shells left we're comfortable to send. So we're sort of sending cluster munitions because we sent like I don't know a couple million HE shells to them so far, and they're kind of out. We're not like out like Germany's out, but we're probably down to a level the Pentagon isn't happy to go below right and that's a that's and knowing the administration's commitment to this war that level is probably pretty damn low um and but the i mean certainly the ukrainians and also like uh sort of under the table or uh, some other countries in nato have sent cluster munitions there a long time ago um and in fact i think the uh the last summer i found i discovered the um this was something i personally discovered it was something i i um, noted was that the French had been cheating on their arms control, uh, their arms control obligations? Because uh, as part of their the shipping manifest for some uh, artillery shells they sent to Ukraine, they had a bunch of cluster shells uh, they should have destroyed under the terms of the Ottawa Convention about a decade ago, um, in That's which tough. they somehow still seem to have had plenty of those to send to Ukraine mm. in you know May 2022. So I, I have
1: uh, to you have to explain to me the. Like my understanding about a uh, artillery shell is that it goes, it explodes, makes loads of frag. I can't. I, I have a job imagining a cluster munition artillery shell. I can't imagine that it does much more than a a regular artillery shell.
3: So just to explain this, so a regular artillery shell, big shell full of explosives. It hits. There's a very devastating explosion at, at the point it hits at. There's a certain amount of shrapnel that spreads out, but because it's a uh, because the shrapnel is spreading out in a three-dimensional sphere, it's um, it gets less lethal quickly, right? Your odds of getting hit by an individual piece of shrapnel get pretty low once you're a certain distance away from the shell, right? Which is why sometimes you see like I mean you see footage in, in Iraq of like an ISIS dude getting like a bomb dropped really close to him, and he just disappears in the smoke cloud, and then he runs out of the smoke cloud perfectly fine because he got lucky. That happens sometimes just because like all the shrapnel missed him and he wasn't close enough to the blast to get killed by the blast. which is that, that dissipates quickly. Um, the thing about a cluster shell is it's like you take a bag of hand grenades and you throw it over an area and every individual one isn't nearly as devastating as the one big shell but it's much more even in, in effects. So it's sort of a, a wide, relatively even um, uh, like buckshot pattern. Um, which uh, particularly some of these things have like armor piercing shaped charges on them, so uh, you hit uh, so which can potentially hit something important, so, uh, so it's, sort of, it's sort of a, a buckshot battery, yes. Like
4: Bill, Bill Burr said, it's, it's got a big spread, and that's he was talking about shotgun, but but that's basically what it is, it's got a big spread, which okay. is why they don't want to use them against uh, you know places where there might be civilians. Oh, um,
3: well, and the, the other issue is that, um, speaking of civilians, which is that uh, cluster weapons leave a lot of duds because instead of one fuse to go wrong, you have 88 fuses that could potentially go wrong. And they're not, these fuses aren't as good because they're tiny. Um, so, um, and which is why like Laos is never going to be demined ever in yeah. probably until every last one of those, like six, like I don't even know how many cluster models or submunitions we dropped on the Laos. Some like, some like eight-figure number or something, something insane. Um, was in, uh, my, in my mind they uh, were
1: always sort of bombs dropped from planes. I I, I struggle to imagine a, a cluster munition as a artillery shell, but I guess I guess it's a thing. Um, yeah, funny. they make them
3: for artillery. Right? It's a it's a it's a thing.
1: Yeah. You have to explain the physics of this to me then so how many little things bomblets can you get in a Seems to me. You can't get that many in there. Surely
3: uh, you can so let's see. It's uh, If I recall correctly an M864 artillery shell has I want to say 70 which is what we're setting No, um, it has um, I want to say 72 um, little Sub uh, submunitions in it, which are a little bit smaller than a beer can each um and so, there's oh, seventy-two awesome. of those things packed in there, oh, and there, and basically, it, it. What the idea is, it flies. Uh, you shoot it over the target area, and the, the main fuse on it functions, and basically, it um, blows the back off the shell and pushes all a little, all old grenades out. Okay. So, yeah. and then those those have like streamers and shit attached to them, and they, arm while they're falling and blow up on the ground. The
4: chat, the chat says uh the estimate is a team of 500 sappers would take 700 years to demine ukraine now um of course yeah it's
3: gonna be like uh it's gonna be like world like um you heard of the red zone from world war one
1: in france that area in france yeah 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 Yeah, the area in france where they're still plowing up artillery
3: shells it's gonna be like that because it's a very similar situation you have a uh, you've got a front line which is pretty has been static for over a year now, and there is an immense amount of stuff that's been shot at and in, into and at that front line. There are any Ukrainian farmers plowing stuff out of their fields for the next hundred years.
4: Uh, and from the chat, they also say NATO is a trainee mm. which, which, yeah, kind of
1: well, Ukraine Ukrainians have their uh, what a unicorn, I, I, I the, the unicorn way. brigade. I'm, yeah. <laughs> It, it it is like like the
3: the the intellectual schizophrenia you have to have to support Ukraine is astonishing because you have like like hard black Nazis fighting for gay rights
1: right right it's, <laughs> it's uh yeah the, the cognitive dissonance must be painful
3: Ukraine is everything to everyone and that's that's why uh that's why it's or why I don't particularly like it.
2: Mm,
4: mm. I, yeah, I love that analogy of the of the the instead of cognitive dissonance with schizophrenia was, I think that's a better yeah. I might yeah. be I might be stealing that from now on. But but that's exactly what it is, is that we've got you know, it's amazing that uh that Germans who can't who can't even talk about the Nazis for their constitution have been supporting <laughs> <laughs> like a pro a pro nazi uh, regime uh so cognitive dissonance yes is um well it's not cognitive dissonance it's what we're seeing is people with no principles they don't have any principles so this is a result of of when you have elites with no principles then at any time a neocon or 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 who what wherever they are in the west you know it they just have no principles so it's not as shocking that, that the rest of the world is now you know trying to follow the bricks because they're like wow hey the west is trying to commit suicide so we're gonna let it.
3: you know, it, it's like you see um you see anytime a I mean anytime a country wants to do something which is pro-Western. It's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's their sovereign decision. Their sovereignty is of, of utmost importance. And if, if uh, you know, Russia or China has a problem with it, they're interfering with their sovereignty and uh, that's, that's a, pro, a decision for them alone. But if God forbid, somebody decides to do something, which is anti-Western it all of a sudden, there are all kinds of uh, all of a sudden uh, the Western bloc feels very comfortable with interfering with them.
4: Yeah. Like how dare China, how dare China, how dare China so support more. Russia? And send yeah. arms to Ukraine? How dare China? Yeah, that's our proxy war. <laughs> how,
3: how how dare any other country support? You know, send arms to Russia. This is a this is a violation of international law. This is this is abominable. Meanwhile, we're just like shoveling everything we own to Ukraine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's really? just a, this issue around the, the grain deal and Russia pulling out of that. And you know, I was watching. As that unfolded and all all the the western press were up in arms that they're, they're weaponizing food etc and um when we took a look at it i want to say gracious sort of sent me a link but um you know all that grain from ukraine primarily goes to europe right to not yeah it's... it was
3: the it was mostly you a, a european pig feed deal like there, there yeah. was a lot most ukrainian grain or least. Always... Significant, I mean, the, the I think uh, as far as like genuinely low income companies, uh, low income countries that Ukraine grain went to, I think it was like 2% or something, something tiny. Yeah, like, they're, like, so they're, they're not feeding genuinely... the
1: starving of Africa, right? It's, uh, it's going in and, uh, what did you say? It's feeding pigs. <laughs> yeah, a... it's feeding farm animals in Europe and China. What an, what an apt, uh, huh. analogy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so... That oh, makes my skin crawl.
4: So. Well, I mean, they also they also you know shot them, shot their own people in the back with high energy prices, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I, but it's a it's a worthy sacrifice, you know, to to take on evil Vladimir Putin. And we're going to destroy his economy. And uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah. we've seen yeah. how that works see how, out. see how that's working out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I I've, I've made the bold claim i guess that um that if i remember the falklands war when i were a lad and um the
4: no one cares about the falklands war
1: <laughs> it's just a, I, I was
4: actually just reading about that uh, a few months ago okay. so i do know something about it but
1: <laughs> yeah, i mean it was a, a small war in terms of how big they can get but yeah, you know, it was uh plucky Britain going down there Thousands of miles, sending all sorts of merchant navy ships and whatnot. But hey, that's a
4: that that's a massive win compared to Ukraine. <laughs> yes, yes. But... Of course, that's a, that's a year before I was born. That's also the last time that that the UK won anything. So
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, I say
4: that. I say that. Thank God, I'm here in Japan, so I can make fun of the u.s without feeling too guilty. <laughs> but just, um
1: I was a kid, and I had uh, I had uh, written on the front "Licensed Argie Basher." Right, you could engage in that type of uh, casual yeah. At least, better, at least you're better
4: than France. You can still call France rifle droppers. Right, so.
1: <laughs> but and in that war, right, Britain immediately just said, "There's a two hundred mile exclusion zone around the Falkland Islands, and we're going to sink anything that comes in that ex- in in that zone." Right, and they, uh, I forgot the is it Belgrano, that they sank. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the ship. Yeah, the right? General Belgrano yeah and um it, it in my mind russia has every right well both um adversaries have every right to claim an exclusion zone around their particular waters in this particular instance and the fact that they would try and um cast russia as um doing doing something incredibly heinous with respect to the grain deal. When I, I'm pretty sure. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we would, we would set up that exclusion zone. We would make sure that there was nothing moving in there without um, permission, and we would sink anything that we considered to be. I'm talking about NATO in this instance. We would
4: never. No, we, the West would never have double standards, Kevin. You've been in Japan too long. <laughs> but-
1: Yeah,
3: we would we never talk out of both sides of our mouth on this kind of thing, right?
4: Yeah. Well, so so if you don't know, I'm actually here in Japan visiting Kevin, so that's why I'm I'm, I'm making fun of of uh, of the U.S. even more. But but he's been absolutely right. Like I don't know how much how many of his streams you've been able to watch, but being over here and then looking at the West without the fog of of you know media, the fucking media. Like it, uh, it's I'm just, sure the god. West. This looks like a
3: like a disaster right now. Like,
4: absolute, <laughs> an absolute joke. Oh yeah, my it, god, I don't want to go back. But.
3: It, it, it's it's like the the only reason why, seriously, like I I can't see why any third third country, somebody who's not part of the Western bloc, would want to support the West or anything it's doing right now. Mm. It's, it just seems like a it, it seems um, very. Like, I mean, I live here, <laughs>
2: and it's it's. I, I don't know what we're doing. Like I, I can't explain it. <laughs>
1: no, none of it makes sense. Um, it's not the world I grew up in. Right, yeah. or I, or I remember. I don't know what the internet did to the world, but, but um, it just kind of seems. I mean, the,
3: the and, and the decline has been, and you can you can see this in. Many different metrics. I mean, the decline has been rapid, even yep. from ten years
1: ago. Well, just just Crazy. ask ask Charles what you thought about the <laughs> the, the well stability in wow. prices here, right? Just to just for, just for what Americans, well, Europeans, Americans have had to suffer in the last three four years.
4: I I've, I've been here almost four months and, and
1: uh, oh, I'm, I'm still here sorry okay. yeah
4: uh, I've been here for two months and but within like two weeks I had realized holy cow there's a their interest rates are 0.68% for a mortgage uh, now granted Japan had the Japan's economy is you know has been rough but we say rough Japan's economy was still number two in the world until China overtook it recently so okay. It's not like, and so when I came here, I had like one perception and I quickly realized that actually the Japanese are doing a, are doing a lot better than, than the West is. They still have their manufacturing base. They, they don't have the inflation. Yeah, now granted they've had stagflation, but when you look at what the West is doing and then compare it, I mean, I... I have almost an MBA and uh, I'm pretty familiar with with what happened to Japan and uh, the West is doing it on purpose and they're doing it while getting rid of all their manufacturing base and flooding their country with immigrants and the inflation is insane and then I come here where they still make their own electronics so their cars and electronics are like half the price in the U.S. And the food is not inflated. So the groceries are 40% less here. Um, I mean, I literally could retire on my disability pay and live here and never work again a day in my life. I could buy, go out tomorrow, buy a house, and, and never have to work again. Or I can go back into the US where, uh, you know, well I, well, I am going back to the US and I'm going to be in an apartment and I'll be barely scraping by well, just with that, not including other income, so... so
3: it's,
1: stop making me want to move to Japan,
4: dude. <laughs> oh, have if you come here, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to leave. Like... You, you welcome you just any time, be, bro. Just to... it, it, it's a sane... <laughs> it's like the West was 20 years ago, and not insane. Like, there's two genders, there's there's bathrooms with bidets, the toilets make music, and... uh I've, I've fallen in love with this place. I really have like, and, but I have to go back to America because that's where the dumpster fire is that I have to help put out. But Japan has shown me. Sanity, sanity can exist market. on this planet. Yeah. Sanity right? can still exist in this modern world. Mm. And it's, it's, it's depressing. So like when Kevin and Kevin has lived in, in, in France, Israel, on both coasts in the United States in Korea and here in Japan, so he, he sees this, he's seen the West slowly in decline, but I'm telling you this viewing over there from here, it's, um, it's even worse. It's, it's significantly worse than I already thought that it was. So you should definitely, you should come spend two weeks here and you'll, you'll probably feel the same way. You won't want to come back.
3: Sounds fun. Let's think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Fun.
4: Well, I mean, it's already, of course, I don't know where you are in the U S so it's probably already midnight or later, but,
3: yeah i'm i'm uh, i'm not uh, disclosing my current
1: location but yeah uh, let's let's Mike, just let's Mike. just say uh tyler <laughs> tyler's a target for uh those nafo tosses <laughs> literal
4: i uh I, yeah i know what that feels like so mm. that's why i feel I, I feel i feel significantly safer here i do not yeah. like i'm i have to go back and then i'm gonna be in northern virginia right outside dc and i'm not looking forward to it that's so, so so
1: what what about the so we talked a little bit about the, the, of the boondoggle that's been the offensive on the on the south, but there have been very significant moves in the north from what I can from what I can tell. Maybe maybe I'm again being gaslit by Telegram. Um but the Russians seem to have gone on the offensive, right? And um what was what led up to that and or if you know what led up to it and how how will they use that surely that will just pull men and resources from the south right
3: uh yes so up up north um up past Bachman um up, up uh sort of on the north side of the front line near the Russian border uh the Russians went uh run really the last week uh, they've uh started they've gone the offensive they started pushing forward they haven't pushed forward that far but they are um, just to give you a comparison, they're they're not using that many troops. I think that the main attack we've seen so far is about a brigade worth of troops, and they've already taken more ground, or at least a comparable amount of ground to what the Ukrainians have taken in the entire counteroffensive uh, with a force, you know, 20 times larger. <laughs> so uh, and this has uh, certainly uh, certainly succeeded in drawing a number of Ukrainian reserves to the area. Uh, they've taken some ground. They've, um, there are... Um, last couple of days, i have sort of been consolidating the the area they've taken so far. Um, but it's uh, I can I have a, I have an illustration of this. I hope so. No, uh, I let me, let me see if I can illustrate this properly. Um,
1: the...
2: I mean,
3: I'll, yeah, well, let me show my screen. Um,
1: so I have to I have to make the presumption that there were Ukrainian defensive lines and um, fortifications. Huh? city holdouts etc and that just collapsed did it or
3: well it, it seems to me like the ukrainians haven't haven't actually dug in that much in this area um, they've certainly they certainly had troops they're defending but they seem to have been poor quality troops and they at least as far as I know they haven't made they have not made the sort of uh large-scale obstacles that the Russians did they should have uh, they haven't um, so this is the uh, what I call the most significant push in the area. and this is just uh, stuff that the basically stuff the Russians had um, taken over the 20 you know, over, you know, the preceding 24 hours uh, um, yesterday. So this is basically gains between the 28th and 29th. Wow. Um, previously, the front line was along this river. Now this is not a very big area. This is about a, a 15 by you know five kilometer box. Um, to sort of zoom out on this a little bit, this would be uh, this area here. On the other hand, you can also see uh, this is this is the total amount of ground the Ukrainians have made up around Bachman over the last three months. And wow, uh, let's see. Is there a so it's um, it's uh, a compared to what the Ukrainians are accomplishing in their, in their counteroffensive, um, it's a lot of. Um, but it's it's a comparable amount of land with first smaller force committed and they've succeeded certainly succeeded in drawing some reserves off um what is now what what is what I don't know about but I guess I I don't know is whether this is they do seem to be sort of pushing across the line here um, they've been exerting pressure um, both up here near kupiansk and uh, most significantly here near Svetovo as well as for south so there are attacks going in um what I don't know right now. Is uh, really it's difficult to tell how how big and how committed these are, these attacks are, whether they're sort of opportunistic or whether there is a uh, whether the Russians really intend to break through and develop this. Um, certainly, I think it's been successful in drawing off so. So I mean, I don't
1: know. My uh, command and conquer days. Surely, surely once you've. You've got a footing like that you would you would try and press it and i don't know why not just head towards uh Kiev not Kyiv, kiev kiev just just try and spook them that way to uh relieve pressure on all the rest of the front line
4: uh, well, well, I don't think, I think it's because them. the i mean i think there there
3: might be a consideration here which is the the Russians have been being uh, very successful. Uh, well, the Ukrainian counteroffensive is not petered out yet, and the Russians have been very successful in fighting those forces defensively. So they may want them to continue to commit, um, to sort of commit until they're done, and then they'll they'll push in large scale.
2: And so huh.
3: now the, the Russians do seem to have their their opponents figured out pretty well. So I'm, as far as what their intentions are with this this particular uh. I would say small-scale push, uh, or I don't know, but they're they're certainly moving the front with a lot
1: less troops than the Ukrainians are. So, well, in my mind, I I I thought Russia would make a beeline for Odessa. I keep thinking they should do that, but they haven't. Um, in, well, it
4: depends on their what their long-term strategic goal is. You want to I cut Ukraine
1: the they... off from the sea, right? That that would be the
4: no, but I mean like post. I, I I would think that. Well, right now they hold the upper hand, so um, uh, it might it might be that they're just trying to wait it out, because they they might also be afraid that if they do too much, that NATO might do something really stupid Mm. not that NATO would ever do that but um so my my guess is that
3: Uh, that a lot of the problem yes oh sorry
4: uh i was just gonna say that putin is is thinking with a lot more logic than than nato is so he probably literally has no idea what they're going to do and they he thinks they might be stupid enough to do anything at this point and desperate enough so my guess is that it, it makes more sense for him to play it conservative because he really is dealing with an unknown quantity at this point
3: yeah well i, I mean i think a lot of the, the the problem with going after odessa so Odessa's over here and basically to take odessa you you really either have to it's kind of hard to get at odessa from the east um let's say the russians went back into Kherson, and then they if they went at odessa they they have multiple pretty large rivers uh, directly between Kherson and Odessa um, and they would have to um, do a couple of fairly large urban battles. Really the way they want to attack Odessa would be from the north, which would entail conquering a lot more of Ukraine. So, I think Odessa is sort of, if the Russians really want to steamroll Ukraine in a big way, Odessa is going to be one of the last places they take. Um, Just because of its location and... Um, I don't think the Russians are willing to. The other thing they could do would be launching amphibious assault, but I'm not sure the Russians are confident enough, and they may not. Um, their their level of amphibious shipping is being marginal as far as getting enough troops to Odessa does fast enough to uh, steamroll the place. Because they have a lot of amphibious shipping actually in the Black Sea right now, but they I don't think they have enough.
1: You were saying amphibious is the m- m- most difficult. Assault oh to, yeah. to yeah,
3: a, I'm sure Charles can tell you about that. It's uh, the the most the most difficult operation. The
1: closest I've ever got is watching Private Ryan. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. That's that traumatized
1: of... me enough. So
4: and it, it, Charles may be able to elaborate that on that a little bit more. He's a marine. I'm not. I mean, my my uncle was at Tarawa, and he was a number, He was a number two, actually in charge of the landing at Tarawa, as a colonel. And uh, at Tarawa, they, they had a bunch of uh, tra- tractors uh, get c- coral, and it was a bloodbath because they couldn't – so they had to offload their troops before they could get to shore. And uh, it was a bloody single day in Marine Corps history, actually. But, I mean, just – but just in general amphibious assaults are difficult and because to me, from my perspective, that's uh, once again, because Putin doesn't win if, if, if NATO like fully commits and no Moldova isn't part of NATO as far as I know. Um, but, but (laughs) not yet. Sure. It will be. Um, but at the same time, uh, he, he, he he loses some of his, because right now the rest of the world is realizing that this is a shell game that the West is playing and it's just a bunch of bullshit. And so why, why would he risk that when he doesn't have to? But strategically, I don't think it makes sense. I, I think he could successfully take Odessa if they committed a lot of stuff to it. I just don't think that strategically it's necessary for to do what they want to do.
1: So it's it, it's a case of just sort of leading Ukraine out along the lines that they do have, and then hoping that sanity prevails. Is that the? What uh, I mean, I think it? that's been the I think
3: that's been the course of action over the last year. Um, we'll see. We'll see if the Russians make. Uh, I believe they have the troops on hand to. End things relatively quickly. We'll see if the Russians, um, I mean, we'll need to see if the Russians want to commit those and when they want to commit those because that's if I could answer that question, I wouldn't be appearing on a radio on an internet radio show.
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you about what was your impression about uh Wagner's episode? Um, I'll tell you what I think I, I think that that was a troop movement. I don't i think it was more theatrics for moving stuff around and but you have a different view on that
3: uh, i posted a i mean i, I posted a, a sort of a summary on twitter about it which I, I still think is pretty pretty good um i mean i think Prigozhin was absolutely trying to make some kind of a power play on uh on the russian government um i think he'd, he'd absolutely i think Prigozhin had gone rogue but on the other hand uh, it also became pretty clear Putin outmaneuvered him pretty badly, because he was if they it had come down to fighting, he would have got his guys. have got massacred. and uh, I think he took the deal that Putin offered him to go, go to Belarus and go go do great things for the Russian nation in Belarus. And we'll, uh, I mean, I guess Wagner is hanging out at some kind of uh, military complex in Belarus, just stacking up combat equipment and getting ready to fight. So. Um, they're they have a lot of stuff right now, uh, I think courtesy of Belarusian stockpiles and'll we'll, we'll have to see what they do with it. If there's any number of things they could potentially do with it. Um, some of them, which uh, some of them because that we now we know uh, the the Kremlin now has a sort of a fig leaf of deniability they can put over them well. I mean if uh, Wagner dudes start uh, rocking over the border into the Baltic states, well uh, I mean, Putin can say, well, look, it's not not me ordering this. I don't get along with <laughs> oh, uh, we'll see. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what the plan is with Wagner, but I, they, they're certainly a serious military force.
1: Yeah, and they can fuck shit <laughs> up, right? Um, I think they've, they've demonstrated that amply enough over the, the last year, but um, I don't know. The, they, they'd really go into the Balkan? Bulgar- no, surely not.
3: That's that's a low probability thing. I think it's more likely they go into northern Ukraine or they do, they do yeah. something. But certainly, it's certainly a possibility that uh, if I was, I don't know, insured, the Ukrainian military would be keeping me up at night because there's a potential of a lot of very deniable and very well-armed and well-trained Russian dudes are going to be walking across the border and uh, doing bad stuff to some of these Baltic states, which are not very uh very
1: well defended right now. Now I was watching this interview with uh it was a Ukrainian I don't know, mid-level military guy, and he, he was just giving a, a relaying what it was like fighting the Wagner group and he, he was just saying that they were they were in, virtually impossible to handle and, and and you know what sort of he did this uh relayed this event where they literally c- crawled through wheat fields you know, however long it took them well 15 hours to do it and it's it like it was like they popped out of nowhere took out all our guys and then um you know had artillery to sort of follow on and then were sidestepping everything that we were able to throw at them and they they essentially would just just keep coming and coming and um yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I'd fancy, uh That,
2: that sounds like some infantry stuff. <laughs>
1: I don't know, man. It's like uh, I, I, I don't know what to believe a lot of the time with what I'm watching, especially Telegram, man. It's just oh, yeah. it's a shit show of uh, information feeds, and it's very difficult for me to – I don't know what's real or – not anymore to tell the truth yeah, the
3: telegram telegram is bad twitter is worse mm. um, i don't use twitter for info i just go on
4: twitter what? What? no Tw- twitter is and, a and, fantastic and, resource
3: and god forbid you re- you try to read the mainstream media i'm sure you've seen some of the Suns uh videos they've been putting out recently yes on um, what which what which, 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 which yeah Pretty entertaining. The, the, the one where you have like a ukrainian leopard two getting blown up by a by a lancet and the the sun put that out the the, the sun which is a at least i i understand it's a fairly reputable british like tabloid newspaper
1: it's a tabloid um, newspaper it went downhill when they stopped showing page three girls and their titties out but um, yeah they don't do that anymore no they stopped oh, it God.
4: bastards that's a shame
3: yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, no wonder they're just putting clickbait in the air now. Well,
4: actually, I, I thought, I, I, but I thought I saw a, some some chick who said she was a page three girl. Well, it was was. Yeah, they, they,
1: they, they don't get their titties out anymore. sadly oh, enough. No,
4: no. <laughs> just I mean, as not, a paper, paper boy, I that was. Uh, girls were. But if I did,
1: that know. was the highlight of my paper round. <laughs> oh,
4: yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I was in the UK in two thousand one. I remember. I was a question wolf just about to be 18 years old yeah
1: yeah they might still have had titties back then but uh, newspapers they-
4: that newspaper uh, it got my attention
1: yeah I but, but, but i mean even even if this was being published by playboy
3: i would expect them to actually get the get the basic factual circumstances of what's actually happening correct instead of just yeah. presenting complete an incomplete inversion of reality that they they knew they could easily check
2: yeah, like, yeah i would expect
3: I playboy to have higher journalistic standards than this
1: yeah there's there's one um british channel um it's called radio times i don't know if you've come across it but it, it might as well just be called ukraine times and it just cool. has a slew of sort of ex british military coming on there and i don't know they've obviously got some think tank talking points that they've been told to hammer into the the british public's mind and you know they've got a
3: got a parade of ex-military people going on to uh going on to discredit themselves and the military establishments they represent by putting out nonsense yeah pretty well, much you,
4: you, know, like the, you know like the 50 in intel uh people who signed a letter saying that that the hunter Biden laptop was russian disinformation mm-hmm. had all the hallmarks
2: yeah. yep.
4: and to including my favorite my favorite human beings on the planet john Brennan and james clapper so yeah, no, not shocked at all. Sorry, no,
1: but it's um, I. I just can't believe that I, people still bite down on it.
3: I. I. I wish I could. Uh, could look this photo up here because I remember um, back when the counteroffensive first went off, and all these pictures came out of like German Leopard twos burning, um, and there was a like I think it was on Channel Four or something in the UK, and they had their experts uh, up up looking at like a, a still. Of uh, one of of one of these uh, leopard 2's on fire, and the guy was like pointing at it and being like, "This is photoshopped. Fire can't be square like that, you know?" Because it was like it was like like a hatch blown out, and the inside was on fire, so it was square. Well, somebody on Twitter uh, made a uh, then played that clip, and then here's the thing: that clip was part of a video, and he just like transitioned to the video. That was a still from a video, right? Hey, <laughs> got- and you like. British news show artifacts. trying to convince their
4: their audience is a Photoshop. Mm, like, oh my god! Yeah. Well, Twitter. So Twitter. That's why I I don't. Hey, Twitter still has better news. Like standards than the. Well, than well it's, it's yeah.
1: quick and you can aggregate stuff uh, on Twitter. Uh, so well, are uh, out, unless you're like, <laughs> So I I didn't catch what. Uh, either of you uh, said
3: that oh, oh sorry i just said if people are pushing nonsense on twitter they can like get ratioed right mm. yeah uh, oh exactly. by, by the way I, I i had context put on one of my tweets recently this was this was funny oh you didn't I'm not sure oh. they put context on it for all viewers but i i pointed out that um uh so the uh so uh the russian uh held parts of ukraine so russian ukraine Uh, The uh, the the DPR and the I think it's the DPR actually the Donetsk Republic is they're holding elections on September 10th they're having an election and so I pointed out that uh, we are and and by the way at the same time recently uh, the Ukrainian government extended martial law for another three months which has the effect of canceling their parliamentary elections Um, so so Ukraine right now for the duration until they decide and for the duration all elections are canceled they're not having any any elections. So I'm pointing out, I pointed out on Twitter that we are supporting a democracy that has no elections against an authoritarian state that is holding elections next month. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, which is I think I saw that tweet when you, and you mentioned sort of uh, the Putin's <laughs> approval rating versus Biden's and uh, yeah, I saw that tweet. I can, I can probably find that real quick, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a good juxtaposition with uh <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and apparently there were a bunch of people who were who were uh, uh, who uh, were to, to use a use a gamer term, uh, ass mad about it. And I guess enough of them, I don't know, complain in my comments or something. And the, and the funny thing was, the context they put on it wasn't even like it was just like confirmed what I said, which was yes, Ukraine has no elections while martial law is happening, and Russia, I guess, has a similar law, but they haven't invoked it so. I don't know. Where's, what's the criticism? <laughs> <I'm> yeah,
1: <worried. laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm I'm scanning your feed, trying to. I,
3: I've actually. I think I've. I can
1: pull it up here only. I may have that. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, there was like I. I don't. I don't. I. I try not to come off. I do come off as a Putin fanboy, but um, the it, he's just he's just head and shoulders above any any politician that we have in in the west right and he's he's able to um well i don't know, once once you've sort of got that trad base right and it's it's easy to in invoke a sort of nationalistic pride um in people whereas when when our leaders do it you know, they spend so much time slating the uh, the idea of nationalism, etc., and the um, the idea of you know support of country and you know what what do we really stand for is just ah, mass immigration and uh, tranny rights, basically. And <laughs> so it comes; it just comes off as uh, it comes off as a very.
3: I'll be diplomatic and put it strange, but I mean it, it's astonishing to me that we went from—I uh, mean, we went from gay marriage eight years ago to um, transgender rights being an absolutely integral and like fu- like foundational part of American foreign policy.
2: Mm.
3: Mm. Yeah, so. More, and
4: that's actually very key—the foreign policy aspect of it. The yeah. fact that we're that we're not China is going in. I think it was God. Who's that? I was I was listening to somebody. Uh, the other day. And they, they were pointing out that, you know, Ch- China is spending all this money and has been when China comes in your country, you know, they, they build bridges and stuff. They build oil infrastructure in Angola. And when us comes in your country, they're, they're saying, well, why aren't you, why aren't you trans? Why aren't you, you sexualizing your kids? Yeah, yeah. Why aren't you sexualizing your kids? No. So just no, or you're, you're not, just, you're not sexualizing them enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a the juxtaposition, like it is, like I said, being here in Japan has has been. I thought my eyes were open, but it, it's even, it's even more horrific. The dumpster fire looks even worse from a distance, which is impressive, uh, but it looks even worse.
1: So thank God we don't we don't have it here for yet yep. yet. Um, no
4: no yeah, they're trying to change
2: that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they are working on it. Yeah,
4: they're they're trying they're trying to. Trying to push Japan. I'm, I, I, I've come to have great respect for the Japanese for, for standing up against the West, yep. um, and not going full. Well, dare I say, full retard. Yeah, you can say full. <laughs> or Tropic well. Thunder.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, I, so dear, I know I can say it on your channel. I just can't run for president anymore. But. <laughs> but uh, um.
1: So the I'm trying. I'm trying to think of what other because there's been so many developments over the last time since we spoke, so... Oh, yeah, but, so one of the things I wanted to ask you, so um, the command and control centers. Um, now, I I have to make the presumption that Russia must have a pretty good idea where they are, and they they made a big deal about what they said were civilian... Apartment blocks.
3: I want to say the. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, that was I want to say two days ago when the Russians. Uh, uh, so that when the Russians blew up the SBU headquarters in dnieper Petrovsk, um, and so the, the Russians like shot a ballistic missile at it and blew it up, and then uh, and there's there's video of this like five seconds after the missile hits like another. Clearly, like Ukraine air defense missile flies in, like nails an apartment building next to it, and all of the uh, which <laughs> and all all the the Twitterati were like, oh, the Russians blew up an apartment building, and then then pictures emerged of this SBU headquarters, like half it caved in. So like, no, that was the the actual Russian like ballistic missile hit what it was supposed to hit, and the the apartment building with a little hole in it that's from your defensive missile that was that missed. So this happens all the time. It's like, like any time you hear, almost anytime you hear about some kind of, screw like the Russians blowing up an apartment building
4: or something. It's usually a Ukrainian defense missile. Well, well, well. Next, you're going to say that the Ukrainians blew up their own dam and were and uh, mortaring their own uh, nuclear power plant.
3: Yeah, yeah. You um, know how the Russians were supposedly shelling a nuclear power plant they've been occupying for the last year and a half, <laughs> just uh, apparently for the evils or something. I don't know.
4: Yeah, just just guys just just to right give on? the
1: sun something to write about put on
4: page 3.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like an IQ test for the west. For like the western audience like do you believe this? Really
4: that's a good there's good analogy because it really <laughs> is
3: but I, I know people who do not support Russia at all. They're not fans of Russia and they don't believe this. <laughs> They're like this is this is nonsense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm look, th- would I want to live in Russia? not really um you know i'm sure it's look it's going down the same digital tyranny as everywhere else they're getting the um ids and the currencies and the every, everything that we're doing right and i i guess that's just progress and i'm i'm sure that they can spin on a dime with respect to totalitarian spasms i guess but well,
3: this is a funny thing, which is like, people were talking about how, you know, Russia is this super totalitarian state or something, and they're, I mean, Putin's like a neoliberal who has many policies, which are quite, which would be quite similar to any European. Hmm. I mean, you know that actually the Russians made like significant changes in the criminal code to accommodate the European Court of Human Rights, yeah, which they, yeah, yeah. which they whose judgments they adhered to for decades. Um like yeah. they were part of the they were part of the ECHR treaty, um, like <laughs> a, a significant amount of like human rights case law in Europe has to do with ECHR judgments in Russia, which they, and actually that actually this is funny because the Russians had like a better track record of complying with them than the UK did.
1: Doesn't surprise well, me, dude. Yeah, no, so, no, yeah. Just like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> but the you know what a what a historical blunder to. For us to have done where they've, you know, what well, I want to say, historical enemies, but you know, where the, where they where we had moved closer and we had good trade relations, and you know, there was infrastructure being built between the Russians and Europe, and and we just we just burn all that on the altar of Ukraine. I, I'm I'm still left flabbergasted by the. the decisions that have been taken and look I, th- I think britain has to take a lot of responsibility for um many of those decisions um
3: yeah it's it's crazy i mean frankly i, I enjoy coming on Oswald later and uh and discussing the the run-up to the war and you know, some more and sort of the the some of the diplomatic context of this because it's just it's genuinely quite outrageous um just just what we've what what we have sacrificed and what we've uh what we've done in in the name of in 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 the name of what right um so i mean it was reported in the press even back last september but in in more detail recently like the uh you know april 2022 over a year ago um i mean when the russians pulled their troops out of kiev they did so in accordance with the terms of a peace deal Mm. which had as near as i can tell been basically signed or which they were they were essentially implementing the terms of a peace deal which had apparently been been agreed to and what what was the next thing that happened after the russians pulled out of kiev well and, and the terms of this deal have come out and they were quite generous to ukraine um and well what was the uh what was the next thing that happened after that well boris johnson flew to kiev and convinced zelensky to and just i don't know what the hell he promised him but he convinced zelensky to just keep on fighting and it's <laughs> well I the, da- the damage
1: from it is just incalculable yeah. and will rattle on for generations and you know the like i say for me it's just thinking how many families have just got shredded because of because of those decisions because of bumbling fat boris johnson going in there and uh but thinking he'd ask whether
3: something he's he's Doing some great diplomatic move, and well, the, the only thing it's getting out of it is Ukraine is going to get. It, I mean, I pointed this out earlier, which was that uh, Germany has never recovered from the Second World War. Like the Germany, I think hit its nineteen thirty Germany, like regained its nineteen thirty nine population in like twenty eleven or something true no i'm dead serious like germany had 80 million people in 1939 and germany had 80 million people again in like 2011
1: yeah that's fair to those (laughs) attacks dude so
3: yeah Yeah, yeah, and they're and by the way a lot of that's immigration
4: yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's well i don't want to say yes but i was in frankfurt a couple of years ago and uh yeah nothing nothing wrong with
1: turkey i uh yeah beautiful country yeah. Nice nice kebabs. Um, just... I'd like to see now, Germany sure, for I'm, sure
2: yeah.
3: I'm sure Turkey's very scenic, but I mean, I point this out, that Ukraine's getting take, getting into the kind of demographic situation that you know Germany did during World War II and they're never going to recover from it.
4: Nope. So what's your take especially on if, Turkey? Especially and... if they're jabbed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we've seen the birth figures, actually um coming out that, yep. they're they looking catastrophic. But the uh what's your take on Turkey and um they they seem to be playing both both sides here from what I can see. And
3: I I, I think Turkey's playing both sides and they're successfully pissing everybody off. Mm, so
1: that's why w- why would Russia tolerate well I suppose I suppose they get access to a nato country right if they maintain good relations with turkey but um... i mean kind
3: of i think that russia i think that russia's relationship with turkey was a lot more important a year ago than it is now because like russia used to do you know like import a lot of sanctioned stuff through turkey but these days they have a reaction so i think there's been i mean you can sort of see russian turkish relationship the, the sort of relationship go downhill, and um, and I think part of that is because they don't need each other that much anymore. At least Russia doesn't need Turkey as much anymore, and uh, and also I mean Erdogan won, won his elections, so he doesn't need he doesn't need Putin that much anymore. He can go go back to doing what he was doing previously, I guess. <laughs>
1: You know, to be selling those or setting up those drone factories in Ukraine—that's yeah. a pretty big provocation, right? I mean, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think any of these factories people are talking about building in
3: Ukraine are ever going to actually get built.
1: Yeah, exactly. you know, like you saying, like we're going to build
3: a tank factory in Ukraine. No, you're not. That's not going to happen. That's some some bullshit you came up
1: with for a press release. Come on, right? If I was Russian, I'd just be like, right, that's the coordinates
3: take we'll it just, out we'll and will we'll be only like cut the ribbon and then like as they cut the ribbon the factory explodes behind them
2: <laughs> yes
1: yes so uh, um and you know it's the same with uh the f-16s that they keep promising right i i think you know they, they would happily give them uh, tomorrow if they could but it it where are they gonna launch from in ukraine they can't, right? That's so. Wherever they launch from pulls that country into that war, and so. Well, maybe that maybe that's why Poland's still acting all belligerent, right? That they're... That oh, I think, a... A, I think there's
3: think there's a little bit of reluctance here. I mean, we we've trained the you train the Russians to defeat all all the rest of our weapons. We probably we, we train the Russians to defeat all of our surface fired weapons. We probably don't want to train them to defeat our, our, aircraft. I'm like, give Russian air defenders and fighter pilots, like a really good idea of exactly what F-16s can do and all the stuff that can come off of the rails. That would be a pretty significant training exercise for them in the event. They decide to deal with NATO after they get it done with Ukraine.
4: Well, China's paying attention. <laughs> They've been watching this entire time. Yeah. yeah.
1: But it, 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 they would have to be stationed outside Ukraine though, right? There's no there's yeah. no
3: way that so we probably it. wouldn't like a ceiling getting blown up on a runway in Ukraine and also their I mean Ukraine's runway Ukraine's airbases get bombed all the time, anyways.
4: Is it
1: true? I mean you're the military guys, do they i was being been told that they 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 always plan out stretches of what are motorways under civilian use. But can, is it possible to do that and make uh, highways into makeshift runways and refueling depots? Uh, well, and...
4: I, you know, my very first unit was was an MWSS, which actually they no longer exist. It was a Marine Wing Support Squadron. And the purpose of, of that unit was to develop expeditionary airfields. So um, now going that... Yes, you can do that, but that's typically not what they would... I mean, it really just depends on what part of the world you're in and what you're doing. But um, It's not an I, efficient way to operate, but you can absolutely
3: do it. Yeah, I mean, you you can, but... Your, your story generation rate, I'm sure, is going to be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a survival thing. I mean, I, I, as far as I know, the Ukrainians do it. That's uh, They fly a lot of stuff off of those kind of improvised bases. Um, but they're also barely flying.
1: So, th- the oh, I forgot what they're called. The UK missile goes no. Storm Shadow, right? Yeah. That's that's a plane launched missile, right? If, if I yeah. understand correctly. So, they must be able to put some assets in the air to to. I mean, they've used them fairly regularly since getting them, right? Yeah so it's again I, I don't know enough about the dynamics on the battlefield can't can't russians see that don't they have like uh awax equivalents and uh, up in the uh, air they, that...
3: they can but ukraine is pretty big and those things have a pretty long range so they're um the ukrainians are able to sort of fly stuff in their in you know in their own rear mm. uh, the russians aren't necessarily the russians because the Ukrainians have, still have a decent air defense network left, um, which shows by the way, how deep the Soviet stockpiles were, because this is just Ukraine burning down the apocalypse arsenal that the Soviet union left in their country. Um, they're, you know, hundreds of S 300 launchers. Uh, and, uh, so that they can sort of protect, uh, their own airspace relatively far back from the front. And they sort of have, um, they, they can fly stuff inside of this, this bastion and then fire, uh, standoff weapons like storm shadow out of that with some success
1: so the and the french version it's just a copy of the storm shadow is that yeah so so basically
3: this was an anglo-french project and the british called it storm shadow and the french called it scalp and they are all the parts are the same except the british ones are labeled storm shadow and the french ones are labeled scalp and it's some there's some e weirdness going on as far as which
1: well, I'm sure the French ones stink of cheese. They probably God, do. So. The,
3: the, the French ones probably go on strike more than the British ones do.
1: <laughs> Casually misogynist, you know. Yeah, you know. That's, um... but they sing. They, they, they don't
3: work from five to seven because they're seeing their mistress.
2: This <laughs> <Does laughs> is it
4: too easy. I mean, <laughs> we can't throw softballs like this. Now, I did—I uh, do want to throw out here. I don't know how much longer we're going to do this, but a story came out that I posted on Twitter about how red ticks can spread a meat allergy to red meat, and um, so I put up a poll that said, not saying a red meat allergy spread by ticks is intentional, but here's a completely unrelated poll question. Bill Gates is the Antichrist, is not the Antichrist, or not a Christian, but yes, and so far there's been hundred and eighty-five votes and uh let's see ni- uh ninety point three percent of people say he's the antichrist.
1: What, well, so, the people have spoken. The people have spoken.
4: <laughs> can...
1: Why well I guess he's easy target, Bill Gates, but
4: um it was like the French, yeah. So so yeah. <laughs> I another softball there. Yes. So <laughs>
1: i'm I'm trying to done storm shadows done the northern advance Turkey There was another question I wanted to ask you though it was um oh yes so the what what do you make of the talk with respect to the Russian generals that are being supposedly removed and um is that real is that fog of war stuff again or
3: um i mean i think a lot of that's fought war stuff i mean we've had i think the Ukrainians have claimed to have killed like 20 odd russian generals and only in the vast majority of them who subsequently turned up alive um I, I mean there have been a few russian generals who got fired um one of them actually seems to have been fired like the commander of the 58th army in zaporuzha actually i think was um i believe he was fired recently and he seems to have kind of lost his nerve um, which that unfortunately happens sometimes is people kind of, people kind of crack a little bit, but, uh, um,
4: Putin has killed more Russian generals than the Ukrainians have, <laughs> but, but I mean, we also,
3: uh, we also saw, uh, back in something, which actually absolutely seems to have been a PSYOP, which, which was, uh, back in last September, uh, uh, general Lapid who was in charge of the central military district got, um, uh, he left his uh, left his position in kind of cloudy circumstances after uh, Ramzan katarov the uh, headman down in Chechnya, published some crazy stuff about him, posted some crazy rants about him on Telegram. Um, but lo and behold, uh, when the uh, Ukrainians were trying to attack over the border into Belgorod and sending in these uh, basically like they're kind of uh, foreign, like basically like they're kind of like SF troops um, and some uh, foreign fighters. Um,
1: they they got fucked up real quick though, right? They, like they did get fucked up. And you know who showed up to fuck them up?
3: It general, well, it was general Lappin.
1: Oh, okay. He, <laughs> was in
3: human <laughs> command of the guys who showed up to screw them up and uh-huh. which were part of this, uh, what, what I believe to be a large, uh, a large Russian force of indeterminate size hanging out on the, hanging out on the Russo-Ukrainian border way up north on the, in the you know, in the northeast part of the country. Anya you know, Belgorod and uh, Kursk, that kind of region, which is exactly where you know if I was going to build up a large army to just stop Ukraine in at a time and place of my choosing, that's exactly where I would put it. And it seems that General Lapin's in charge of that, mm. and is sort of the most successful Russian commander during the early SMO. It seems like his uh, his removal uh, from command in the uh, Earlier in the war it was kind of engineered to allow him to to uh, sort of put him in charge of this force.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, I a, just, that, that's
3: something I've. That's, that's a theory of
1: mine. I mean, we haven't seen them keep repeating those cross border raids, right? And um, yeah, they, they did.
3: They did a couple of them, and they got
1: the shit kicked out of them. They yeah, no Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I saw like clip of like I don't know what, what, the SU twenty five. Their sort of ground attack. Yeah. Aircraft and man, that just looked frightening <laughs> to me. I was like, imagine what's just looking at that coming down at you. Um yeah, see, see the see
3: the rockets come off that thing, it's like, oh hey, well, I'm about to
1: die <laughs> Yeah, so I can uh I can see why you wouldn't want to be wasting uh too many forces, but um uh hang on, I will pull that out later, but the um I can't Is there any other um events that we've missed to cover up or cover here? Um... Uh, I don't know about you, Charles. Not, nothing I can think of. I think we've I think we've had a pretty good stream But what what two hours so far? Uh hang on, let me check. Uh, I'm, uh I'm...
3: i I will be more available. I, I should be more available to do more streams in the future, sorry I've been kind of trying to do yeah, my you...
1: profile a little bit lower lately.
3: But it's I think hiding, can... dude.
1: You gotta get out there and uh yeah,
3: yeah well I'm, I'm I have my reasons, and I think I'll be able to come on the show more in the future.
1: Spank those Nafo boys about. And, uh... the,
3: the, 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 well, it's crazy. Most of those guys, like, disappeared. Yeah, they... They're all demoralized. Yeah, yeah. And of like, occasionally they... I
2: see one. Well,
3: the the, the but... funny thing was, I think, actually, they had their little summit in, like, Lithuania. Oh, yeah. They, <laughs> so that, that, yes. that freaking disaster summit they had, where, like, all these freaking, like, Internet weirdos showed up and like talked about how joyful they were about like killing Russians and stuff. Mm They're not even killing Russians, like watching Russians get killed on the internet. Yeah. And I think, I don't think it did anything as far as their movement. I think it really made them look like a bunch of like deeply disturbed individuals, which is what they are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. And I, it was, it was so cringe inducing. The, well, you had NATO What was that silly bitch. Yeah, and you had
3: like actual like real politicians showing up to talk it. I was like, oh my god. Yeah.
1: No Yeah. And the the NATO woman putting out a clip just trying to use gamer language and I was oh, like, like oh, I, I've got that clip somewhere, but um yeah, it was a cringe. Yeah, yeah, very very much so. And you know, that's you know, if that's indicative of the best that we have with respect to uh Information warfare yeah. capabilities. On the... it also showed how many
3: alts these people use, because like maybe fifty people actually showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of these guys are based out of the Baltic, so it's not like it wasn't that big of a drive.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and their memes are shit anyway. So
3: they're they're
1: they they were never original. No, they resurrected a meme from 2018 to, for their for their thing,
4: anyways. Yeah, yeah. Our mimetic warfare is much better.
1: Yes. I think, look, t- t- the simple fact is that government organizations and what have you, they just, they, they can't fight that type of battle, right? Because they've got too many, too many constraints on them with respect to, especially being politically correct and stuff. So, um, you know, and most, a, a good meme sort of cuts through and gets to a sort of base reality where people can say, yeah, yeah okay, that's, I get yeah, that. Yeah, a good rainbow
4: dildo, dildo meme yeah it seems, it seems yeah
1: it.
3: It. memes are supposed to to present reality or sort of bring out a fundamental truth and things and uh the problem is that so much of the ukrainian uh talking the ukrainian party line is this absolute like inversion of reality or result or no. is some sort of uh propaganda construct so making memes based on it doesn't um it's it, it doesn't it's not convincing <laughs>
1: yeah. and, you know the uh the number of uh Ukrainian flags has dropped precipitously on Twitter the virtue signal flag flags of uh... Yeah, I'm w-
3: I'm wondering if uh somebody should do a study on that and see how um see what the uh
1: yeah, it's I mean it's possible I mean there are I'm sure it could. yeah.
3: The number of number of Ukrainian flag profiles on Twitter mm. I think you don't I see that much more. I
4: think like... I should put a Ukrainian
1: flag in my profile now.
4: No. But yeah, we but should we should but co-opt
1: it now. And um, yeah. but but look, the, I, what I did notice is there's a high correlation between those who are pro-vax and Virtually signaling Ukraine flags. That that well, was it,
3: yeah, it's 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 people who support the current thing. Mm. It's it's, quite, a, it's like a 100% overlap of people who support the current thing. And also uh, with Ukrainians, there's uh, there be pro Ukrainians, There's like American current thingers, and then there's like people in eastern europe with weird ethnic problems with russians
1: (laughs) they've got a uh, a a long complex history there and um you know it's it's almost akin to like the middle east in that respect and there's a lot of i don't know if it's blood libel but you know they they don't forget easily and there's of course, it's going to come out in a in a. Yeah, there's a
3: lot of a lot of ethnic grievance, and there's a lot of also like ethnic grievance that's being kept open way after it should have been closed because politicians find it convenient.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know that's but that's
3: that's why the stuff persists. It's because people, because politicians run on it. Mm.
1: it it's well, it's well, real well, easy to blame, well, blame the Russians for
4: your problems instead you of blaming. said that, so I wasn't prepared. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just part of the lay of the land there, right? Um, Polish, Russians. Look, there was a clip that um, Putin put out where he gave a very, I, I, I didn't know about half the stuff that he was talking about, just how much that border between Poland and Lithuania had been sort of fought over since the First World War. Did you see that clip?
3: That's uh, what yeah, I'm, I'm, i I don't think I saw that particular
2: clear. Yeah, it's
1: um, it's it's amazing how much that, that did go on sort of well during the First World War and post First World War and how they were well swapping allegiances all the time and um uh, oh, yeah.
4: contact context is not important. <laughs> not, yeah, it's it's
3: just the, the the bad the bad Ruskies are invading yeah. poor democratic ukraine yeah exactly but the, the bad, bad ruski people uh, okay the, this is this is the um <laughs> uh, i I'm, I'm sure this isn't representative but this is funny <laughs> that is uh, let, let me, let me, yeah show, let me show the screen I, I i'm going to preface this by saying i'm sure this is not representative of all polish people but this this meme did come out today and this is a uh, something which in, in an ostensible poll posted on 4chan <laughs>
1: Oh man, yeah.
2: (laughs)
4: Now that's a good meme. That's good.
2: Yeah, it it
3: it it, it's explanatory. It's funny.
1: Yep, and uh, it's home. That's good stuff. I don't know who thinks up all those uh, meme characters, and uh, <laughs> they're genius, men. It's uh, the goofy car owners and I can't
3: top that. Did, one. did you ever see the? Did you ever see the like the the original yeah. photograph that was the template for that? No. But before before we shut out, let me let me see if I can find. Let me see if I can find this.
4: Um, <laughs> see, this is a good stream. We, we we get we just cover all sorts of different bases, and we get some. Additional
3: Some additional memetic wolf. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Got it. Found it. This was. I want to show this here. <laughs> so this, this was based off of an actual photograph. Oh, man. The soy.
1: <laughs> can <feel> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, it's not make... even real fucking chicken. Oh
4: no, oh no, it's, yeah, it's, it's soy chicken. chicken. That's that makes it even better. Than that pole that I just <laughs> put out. It's, oh, that's perfect. Beyond fried chicken, yeah. Oh
3: man, uh, like, yeah. I, I I always feel sorry for these guys because like they were clearly just I don't know expressing their enthusiasm for soy chicken or something, and they they've become like an immortal meme template and will be mocked for. <laughs> Years probably given the
1: internet, but um, what what a way to have your uh ego destroyed for a lifetime, man! Oh my god,
3: it's like it's like that, that was you who who made the Wojak meme template in a very poorly thought out photo. You talk,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, would that be an American creation? Uh, beyond, beyond fried chicken. <laughs>
4: I think that's, that's a right there.
3: You know what was funny was um back during the pandemic, like when the pandemic first started, and um and uh the everyone like bought out all the supermarkets. Mm-hmm. So I was walking down the aisle on my my local supermarket, and the whole thing was completely cleaned out, one hundred percent, except for a fully stocked rack of beyond chicken. Like all the vegan food, nobody wanted. Right.
1: That's toxic, man. You yeah, it. there's a there's a dude on my Discord who works in a supermarket in Ireland, and they're literally selling insect burgers there. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, it, like that, we're at that point now where they're marketing and selling insect burgers, and the I want to say you're gonna you're
3: gonna eat the bugs and live in a pot, I guess.
1: Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's definitely well, they're definitely trying that. And ah, uh, well, the the worst thing is, is that um, <laughs> thank you, Charles. <laughs> the um, so the EU um basically certified and allowed cricket flour to be used in foods. So now, even if it doesn't explicitly say like an insect burger on the front. You so can still have burger power. Yeah, you've still got to check everything now because it can have um, yeah, protein flour that comes from insects and no doubt it will be given some EU uh, number designation and you're, you're not going to know what it is. And so this is how they're sort of injecting it into the the food supply and the... <laughs> I don't think we have well no I can't say that because they do insects are a thing here that they'll eat for sure in Asia so not so much the Japanese but Koreans Chinese they, they, they um, meal yeah like and, uh, crickets and
2: stuff
1: yeah crickets and there's a I don't know I can't remember the name of it in Korea but it's sort of like a rolled up sort of chrysalis of some bug that they uh, use. oh yeah it's
3: not like uh like silkworms yeah. Like
1: salt... yeah. yeah 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 and I, I can always uh, send a shiver down my spine like the Japanese will just take prawns and just eat the whole thing head to tail yeah. <laughs> they'll sit there crunching on that insect hard case shell. Yeah.
3: yeah i remember back when i was in korea one time we were at like this korean banquet and i was able to freak out my commander because i I'd, I'd go around like eating all the really really weird stuff they had like the jellyfish and the freaking i just like went in the back of the buffet and i was like i want i want to eat all like the the weird local stuff that i i take it
1: over like ate in front of my
3: commander he was like oh god we were. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that uh, <laughs> look. If it's protein in Asia, they'll they'll find a way to cook yeah, it up and, and eat. They're inventive. Yeah,
2: they don't let anything
3: go to waste.
1: Yeah, but, and like I say when I hear them crunching through a prawn.
2: God.
1: <laughs> I have to say Charles. Charles was eating the tails when he was. That's right. Uh, I, I usually I I usually eat the tails. You eat the tail bit. <laughs> I eat
3: the tails.
4: Yeah, I actually do that. I did that on my first date. With my first wife, and and we still so got married. Why she was only was that the reason why she was your first wife, and uh, you <laughs> yeah. get more than one. That's not the only reason, but It's probably one. You yeah.
1: she developed shellfish allergies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway. all right. We've been two yeah, hours, so I think we we've covered everything from bloodshed and war to. um Cricket burgers, oh, green packets.
3: We, we got Grogguppy in the chat saying uh, EU approved bugs and flour without labeling a few years ago quietly, which I'm not surprised about. Mm. I'm yeah. sure the EU makes you label everything except for the stuff you you actually want to know isn't your food,
1: right? Right, and you know, again, it's it's infuriating because you know the it's not we like we can't feed ourselves. Again, it's sort of climate, ESG nonsense that we're putting too much um nitrogen. yeah like
3: you, i'm sure you've been tracking the thing with the dutch farmers where they yes. want to like cut down half of like holland's farmland which is a national treasure the fact that like holland has this farming economy which it like literally recovered from the ocean with just centuries of like sweat and like engineering miracles mm. and their government wants to shut down half their farming sector because of my, my methane emissions or something i don't freaking
1: know yeah it's it's but. um I, I, and i want to say like uh holland is like the second most productive oh yeah it's such a tiny and yeah it's it, it. there's no rationale behind this this is all about um population control and what they've what they've got planned over the next decade or so and um pe- people need to stay on their toes and you know, I keep saying if you've got if you, if you, they've openly declared war against you, you just got to recognize it. And um, well,
4: that's uh, j- just for an update. Since we're on the subject, uh, it's still eighty nine point five percent say Bill Gates is the Antichrist. So hmm.
2: yeah. Okay. Uh,
3: uh, oh, by the way, Charles, what's your what's your ad on Twitter so I can follow you? Just uh, it's... Uh, just
4: it's just my name at Charles Rixie. Charles
1: Rixie. Uh, oh, I'll,
2: I'll
4: put it in the. I saw the Should message
1: already, from you. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, well, so that, I searched for Charlie Rixie, not Charles Rixie. I think. Right. I think that's it. Prometheus shrugged.
3: There we go. Uh, Charles Rixie, M.A.M.B.A. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
4: Uh,
1: you, you just got. A, just got a new follower.
4: Sweet. Well, I don't get very many anymore. I got to twenty-eight thousand really fast. And then literally flatlined. So, uh, I think I,
3: think with, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, sometimes well, you.
2: Do, all I, I, don't got, how, I
4: don't know how familiar you are with with uh, who I am or what I've done, but 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 the national security state does not like me. Uh, we mm-hmm. can we can safely say that. So, huh. yeah.
3: Well, congrats uh, gr- on getting congrats uh, on uh, almost thirty. <laughs>
4: It yeah, should I mean, be three
3: hundred thousand by now. It should but... be
4: three hundred thousand by now, like, like literally. Well, I mean, Kevin's got
3: like two thousand. I mean,
4: should... <laughs> oh, I mean yeah. It's because
3: you're yeah. on like your eighteenth old. <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's
1: true. I've got I mean, at uh...
3: least apparently Elon stopped like banning you. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and but yeah. now I've got sensitive content warning. Should someone click on uh,
4: on well, my name? I mean, so if anybody was going to get the sensitive content warning, it would be you. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying.
1: Look, man i'm uh I, I
4: try hard well you succeeded i, I, I consider I, I win know,
1: I'm, I'm,
3: I'm just some dude who freaking posts anime girls and talks about the war sometimes i don't
1: know I feel like hearing me talk uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's popular content man um
2: those anime <laughs> I, like chicks.
1: <laughs> I love them i
3: i know i have people who follow me just because i post that stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: look if you can't have page three titty girls then uh the next best thing's got to be some anime, some big, huge top bollocks. Bye. Um. Oh. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'll never be able to run for uh, Congress.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, I think it's about time. I, I think it's about time I clocked out. I think we've, I, I think, I think we've, uh, we've culminated, and we should probably be a little bit more honest about ourselves
4: culminating than the Ukrainian army being. So. Oh, wow. Oh man, nice end right there.
3: That's a dark joke to end on. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, you're on the right
1: channel, No jokes. All right, then, gents, I'll I'll end the Zoom call and uh, you all look after yourselves. Charles, I'll see you later, no doubt. Um, Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you, Tyler, for your time. It's always appreciated. Yes. Yes. There we go, folks. Uh, The powerful armchair warlord, Sensei warlord, I should say, and uh, Shogun Rikasu talking war. Yes. I feel, uh, how should we say, um, oh I'm not on the screen am I, I feel uh, at my depth there, um, I don't know how stupid my questions sound, but probably very, <laughs> alright let me just check the chat real quick and then uh, I'll get out of here, oh I should also check uh, this and uh, just see if anyone sent don't know or if you are all janet yellens oh oh. uh carmador thank you thank you thank you carmador thank you i hope you're feeling uh somewhat better today um be strong sweetheart be strong um all right uh i was gonna do some chat um, how is BlackRock profiting off Ukraine? Is Halliburton owned by BlackRock? Well, I think they're just in there with just sort of land deals for reconstruction and stuff. That's the idea there. Um, let's see. Yeah, buying up farmland. Um, let's see. The guy on the right looks too much like Simon Pegg. <laughs> yes. Uh, I need I need that
2: original photo. I have to ask... Uh, um Got a message from W there
1: in a second. Um, do you know those survivor shows where they make them eat bugs to win? But there was a medical show on. They couldn't figure out why someone was so sick. Sick. The girl was on one of the survivor shows and ate a bug. They gave her, I think, parasite. Yeah, man. Look, don't eat insects. <laughs> there's there's probably a couple you can eat, like the Chinese have figured out, but. Um, let's see. No bugs for me. Yes, I agree. I want to trademark Lorpe Didlugs. I don't know what that means, Grout Guppy. But I'll bring the link up. Just for you, sir. Just for you. But, uh... That beyond, uh, chicken... I had no idea that, uh... But that's them. That's the things the Koreans eat. Um i couldn't couldn't bring myself to uh, I did try one, but one for me uh let's see a oh if you're not feeling well sir feel feel better um that's a they planning on building a big me- mega city there, so no room for the farmers. yes, I have heard this um it wouldn't surprise me, and uh i hope uh I hope Alice strikes down their plans with a vengeance. Uh, let's see, Netherlands is feeding half of Europe, loss of that farmland will inflate food prices even further yes, of course Um, anyone who wants to block the sun is definitely on the wrong side of God, well, you know what at the moment, (laughs) I wouldn't mind if the sun got blocked alright that's it, alright, I'm done I'm out of here, take care, God bless I will see you uh, in the next stream and we'll get back to um, looking at
2: did it go Where'd it go this one no. no 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 this one uh where do we stand now regarding
1: treatment of psychiatric and neurodegenerative disorders considerations in using magneto electric nanoparticles as an innovative approach we're working through the neuroscience methods and uh, how close are we to full-on digital panopticon control of your brain um i think they're there's some way away yet but uh they sure are trying all right have a good rest of your weekend folks i will see you later god bless
0: bro you don't know how angry i am you do like i was just leaving for fucking work you do not understand how fucking pissed off after reading that little line i will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine fuck these papers I will fucking kill each fucking pepper! I swear! (laughs) This is not a fucking joke anymore! This is fucking dead serious! I am fucking dead serious! These people don't know who the fuck (laughs) they're actually playing! Fuck (laughs) these cappers! No fucking
2: vaccine or MIA will ever throw through my fucking blood! blood. Never! No! I will fucking die! Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my-
0: these motherfuckers! All that five sent
3: technically five thousand Turn Send 10.